The first thing you do when you start a band is talk about your influences. That's how you figure out what kind of band you want to be. So who do you like? Blondie. Christina Aguilera. Who? No. Come on. What? You. Shortstop. Puff Daddy. Wrong. Billy. Liza Minnelli? What are you... You guys, this project is called Rock Band. I'm talking about bands that rock. Led Zeppelin. Don't tell me you guys have never gotten the lead out. Jimmy Page, Robert Plant. Ring any bells? What about Sabbath? ACDC. Motorhead. Oh, what are they teaching this place? Summer, you're the class whatever. Go to the board. Factotum. Factoter. New schedule. 8.15 to 10, rock history. 10 to 11, rock appreciation and theory. And then band practice till the end of the day. What about math? No, not important. World cultures? Not important. You guys, we need to focus here. All right, let's pray. God of rock, thank you for this chance to kick ass. We are your humble servants. Please give us the power to blow people's minds with our high-voltage rock. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Now let's get out there and melt some faces! Within the broadcasting multiplex of CBS Radio, this is the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello. It is uh, six minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 of this, the month of April of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, thank you for coming along. It is Friday, and welcome to Day 12. Uh, why, hello, howdy, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Hey there, hi there, uh, hold there. It's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to uh, be part of today's program. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 if you would like to weigh in with your uh, comments, questions, clarifications, adventures, two cents, observations on the robo-voice, what have ye. Uh, it is uh, 503-733-2970. Yeah, you can also email if you like. It's rick at... RickEmerson.com, Rick at RickEmerson.com, Tim at 970.am. Uh, see, now we're like half, okay, we got like half, half uh, the regular people and half filling people today. All right, let's do it. Rick at RickEmerson.com, Tim at 970.am. Kristen Bowie at gmail.com. Sorry. All right. I really wanna, not that hard, Rick. I always want to give you a couple <laughs> address, and then I realize in my head what a bad idea that probably You know, is. we should, I, I should really get an AM 970 address at some point. Yes, you should. Hint, hint, it's a hint. pity there's nobody here who can make that happen. Yeah, really. I'll make a note to myself. Uh, all right, so uh, Kristen Bowie, all one word, all one. Yes, thing. all one word. Kristen Bowie at uh, gmail.com, and I don't know, just blow smoke signals to Timmy Ryan or something. Um, <laughs> all right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Timmy Ryan is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, whatever it is uh, that you have today. So it is Friday. Thank you for coming by. We'll talk about Richie Bristol in just a second. Um, 
I think if you go to, I'm pretty sure I posted this at both uh, my, uh, my space blog and at uh, rickeverson.com today. There's a truly horrifying photograph of Richie Bristol's face. And it's, I would like to think that it, today he's at the absolute midpoint of the bell curve and that tomorrow the face is going to be getting, getting better. But really there's no guarantee of that. So, he looked pretty miserable. He looked really, <laughs> he looked really awful. So if you go to uh, rickemerson.com, you can see a fantastic, and by fantastic, I mean terrifying photo of Richie Bristol's face. Richie isn't going to be here today because I'm just looking at it again. It's sort of a, he sort of looks like, um, he kind of looks like an like an Asian Alfred Packer. So um, if you go check out the photograph today, uh, you will recoil in horror. I guess he took either six or eight Vicodin last night and was still unable, unable to sleep. So it's... But then he had, the, he had the presence of mind, though, to get up and take a photo of his face and send it in this morning. At that point, Vicodin just kind of acts like crack, though. That's all, that's all it is. It really is just there to give you an addiction. It doesn't actually mm. cure anything, solve anything, stop anything. It's not an analgesic of any kind. It really is just there to turn you into a pill-popping nitwit. So, anyway, so you can uh, go to uh, rickemerson.com and check out that photograph of Richie Bristol. Uh, in the meantime, in between time, the uh, phone number is 503 733 970. 503-733-2970. Uh, we plunge headlong into Friday's uh, show. And uh, whatnot. All right. Anyway, uh, joining us today, Lisa Desjardins uh, from CNN Radio. I'm sorry. She's... Tim has the from loudest... CNN Radio? Tim has the loudest paper shuffling on earth. Oh, pardon me. That's okay. <laughs> no, it's just one of the... I think we're trying to get the mic uh, levels balanced here at the beginning of the program. Or maybe my ears have finally just gone wacky on me. Anyway, uh, so uh, Lisa Desjardins from uh, CNN Radio Washington, D.C. will be joining us today. We'll talk to uh, James Roop from Los Angeles where... So I guess we were supposed to talk to Roop yesterday, and I guess he'd done like 21 hours straight uh, covering the whole debacle with the Olympic torch. So now he's back in Los Angeles just in time for there to be new Phil Spector news. So his life continues to get better with every passing day. Uh, so James Rube coming up today. Lisa Desjardins coming up today. Uh, Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com will be in the studio. Uh, Timmy Ryan will be presenting his... I want to make sure that I got this uh, correct. I think it, Tim Ryan will be uh, doing the the top five songs to which he wishes to listen on a, on a warm spring day. I do believe that that's my approximation of the uh, of the top five theme. I may, be, I may be ever so slightly wrong about that, but that's more or less it. Uh, so we'll have that coming up later on today. Uh, we have, I, I have uh, these uh, sort of sampler spots from my production reel that I pulled yesterday morning and then never actually got to. Uh, so I will uh, endeavor to get to those uh, later on in the program. What else is coming up? Uh, your phone calls. We will announce the name for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11, which is coming up Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom, uh, featuring the Rick Emerson Roast with Roastmaster Carl uh, Click from K2. Uh, so we'll announce the name of the listener party later on today. We'll start talking about uh, artwork submissions, all of that. I think we have another one. Uh, I think we have another copy of the Star Wars trilogy to give away today. Uh, so we're going to plunge boldly on ahead here today. Oh, and as of now, apparently Richie has taken, in addition to his many, many Vicodin, he's now taken five Valium. So we'll have to call him later on just to but see. He's, if he's just on a nice floaty cloud. Today. You know, the thing is, you would think so, right? That's the deal. Oh, and we should back up for a moment and say that Sarah Dillon will be calling us, I believe, from uh, from McCarran Airport when she lands in Las Vegas today. So she's on her way to Las Vegas for uh, a couple days of fun and frivolity to be returning Monday. So I talked to Richie. 
Jesus. It was either late last night or this morning. Actually, I can't remember. It's all kind of a blur. But I answered the phone, and it was, hey, it's Richie. And I said, hey, Richie, how's, how's it going? How are things? I don't know. My mouth is all filled with goo. Uh, <laughs> Which is exactly the phrase that you want to hear to begin with. That's, that's especially when it comes out of. It's a drastic change from showing everyone his nipple a few days did. ago. He really is. He's an endless grab bag of amusement. <laughs> Richie is like some sort of horrible pinata. Do you know what I mean? And the first time, the first time you whack the pinata, it's like out comes dental problems. Second time you whack the pinata, look at my nipples. The third time, it's I have no sense of smell. I have fifty million dollars in oil reserves. You never really know. He's like a magic eight ball full of alternatingly horrible and wonderful surprises. So he called me and he was, as he explained it, his mouth was full of goo and he was drugged out of his brain and I think he just walked into the dentist and, and they just were like, get in the chair. I don't even think because he had woken up on Wednesday morning and his face was all swollen, it just looked all puffy and terrible and it, it was impacting his speech and he, we said, you know, like, you got well, you got to get that looked at and he, and he was still trying to play it off as, nah, I think maybe I just slept wrong. Like, it was sort of like Eric Idle in the Monty Python's Meaning of Life, where he wakes up and, like, he's missing a whole leg because a tiger has taken it, but he's trying to do, well, maybe it's a virus of some kind. And so Richie's face was just, it was like some large, fleshy football. And I was like, you know, you got to go to the doctor and get that looked at. He's like, no, nah, I think maybe it's, maybe I'm using the wrong pillow. Or just, like, all of these insane sort of excuses about what might have caused it. And I, we were finally like, you know, you got to go to the dentist and... Have your mouth dealt with. Just get it looked at. So he goes off to the dentist, and I don't think he was in the office more than five minutes uh, when they were just like, swallow this and get in the chair and put on the paper yeah, apron. If your face gets huge, you've got problems. Seriously. And so they just gave him an emergency root canal and um, sent him home with multiple bottles of pills. And uh, so he is going to be recuperating uh, today. We'll give him a call later on to see if he's uh, mastered the power of speech and or telephonic usage. In any event, uh, so Timmy Ryan is here today. Sarah is in uh, Las Vegas, so Kristen Bowie's here. As we said, coming up later on, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, James Ruppel join us, Scott Daly, uh, top five, uh, little snippets from the production reel, uh, listener party, 11 fun facts, and uh, let's see, Geek Watch coming up today, Penis Watch, and a double Taser Watch. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday. A huge oil reserve is found around the area where Richie owns property. Excellent. Good for him. Uh, that murdering Marine has been caught in Mexico. American Airlines just can't stop canceling flights. A Tualatin man finds a tooth in his honey bunches of oats. Chelsea Clinton will be here tomorrow. Vanilla Ice is arrested. The New York Times reports Katie Couric will be leaving CBS in... Two weeks? Really? That's what it says. Let's throw her a party of some kind. So the time keeps getting smaller here, so by the end of the show, she'll be gone tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a 90-year-old woman disrupts bingo at McDonald's. A butcher is banned from chopping his meat in the morning. Oh, it's going to be 70 degrees today. I don't see how that's going to happen because K2 says it's 44 right now. A 500,000-song iPod. That will definitely cause iPod fatigue. Fantastic. And apparently there's a big uh, debate going on whether or not that is a naked woman in the lenses of Dick Cheney's sunglasses. I know exactly what you're talking about, too. That photograph. My question is, where was that photograph taken? I don't know. Uh, where was he when they snapped it? Do you know what we're talking about, Kristen? I haven't seen it. There is this photograph floating around the uh, the Intertron this morning. And I think you can see it. At, is it at Riley Live? Not yet. Okay, it will be at Riley Live. I think it's at Drudge right now. Uh, my mic processing sounds fantastic, by the way. I just like to point We've that never out. Sounded better. No, it is. There's always that little moment at the beginning of the program, though, where we're trying to set all the levels correctly, uh, and where I either think that I'm not loud enough, or somebody else is not loud enough, or somebody else is too loud. Or 
Tim's paper rustling is like so much thunder right next to my ears. Now everything is perfect, flawless, balanced. We've never sounded better. Today's program is already uh, is, is already at 100%. So if you go to Drudge, you can see this photograph of Dick Cheney, and he looks for all the world like that guy in Cool Hand Luke who never speaks, who just has the gun, and the, uh, the, 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 at the end gets his sunglasses rolled over or whatever, the Snake Eyes guy. It looks just like him. Uh, and or perhaps some sort of a G.I. Joe villain, and it's just a close-up on Dick Cheney's face, and he's wearing these weird sort of mirrored sunglasses, and if you look at the lenses of the sunglasses, it does very much look as though there is a nude woman being reflected. So, I mean, I think we're all kind of unclear at the moment as to why someone would allow themselves to be, you know, naked in the presence of Dick Cheney and all, but I mean... So I the AP says no. Well, of course they say that. I mean... I don't. What else are they going to say? That they were duped into running some photograph of Dick Cheney in which he was in a boudoir with his mistress? So it's all. Been, I don't think Dick Cheney would have a mistress <laughs> or a boudoir. No. <laughs> you just have. You just have somebody, some small child he was keeping in a box in the fruit cellar at his house. Oh wow! <laughs> I just saw that picture. See, doesn't it look like a nude woman? It totally does. I'm not saying it is. You know what it looks like? It looks like. It looks like the alleged nude uh, woman or person or figure who was in that glass of, um, I don't know, that, that Shivas Regal ad or whatever it was from a few years back where there was supposedly the subliminal image of some people, like, stooping it out, like, in the ice or whatever. That's kind of what it looks like. Sort of she a, looks kind of stiff, though. Maybe it's a mannequin. Or, or a corpse. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, so That would it, explain why Dick Cheney's there. If you go, if you check out uh, Drudge, you can see it. It really I'm is. A, put it up in a minute. It's a pretty fantastic photograph. I mean, it's sort of deeply disturbing. Have you ever seen that? Um, and a lot of these have popped up now, and I guess it's become sort of a thing that people do online sort of intentionally. But have you ever seen that eBay photograph where it's like a guy? I don't even remember what he's selling. He's selling. It's like a kettle or something. He's like selling a like kettle. A, yeah, like a teapot. And it was a guy had had put up. He was selling on eBay some sort of an, an, an antique tea kettle. And so he had decided to take a photograph of the item. So that prospective bidders on said tea kettle could look at it and deduce exactly how much they wanted to offer for it. Except that he had clearly taken the photograph of the tea kettle, which was polished to a, a bright buffy shine. Um, he'd taken the photograph of the tea kettle while standing in the room naked. So here's a picture of the tea kettle on eBay. And then if you looked at it really closely, you could see the reflection of a nude man with a camera. Sort of a, you know, tackle out, as they say in Britain. So, anywho. All right, uh, let's see. So we got uh, that uh, and a whole bunch of other uh, crap coming up today. We'll get to your uh, phone calls here and uh, just a skosh. Um, so, yeah, Richie Bristol returning uh, theoretically Monday. Sarah Dillon returning theoretically Monday. And while we're giving shouts out uh, to the ailing among us, uh, I want to stop and give a brief mention uh, to my bandmate, uh, Jerris Minsky, uh, who is, uh, I don't know if he's listening to the show. Or, yeah, he's another guy that's just doped out of his brain on like six different kinds of medication right now. He's in the uh, ICU of a local hospital oh. with a, a bad bout of pneumonia. Oh, that stuff's nasty, too. Well, and this is one of those things that we've, uh, I've sort of alluded to this over the past week. Uh, that I was going to be doing something in the Aladdin Theater, and it took legal like seven months to decide whether or not I would actually be allowed to reference it. And they finally came to the conclusion a couple days ago that I could mention it, but only because I can't possibly make any money on it. So because I, st because I cannot possibly make a single dime on it, 
I'm apparently I'm, agree a, to it. I'm allowed to mention it all I want. <laughs> don't, don't feel bad because I was taking men- mental inventory today. Since I've arrived here in Portland, I have not made a dime <laughs> on anything outside of here. Well, nothing, uh, nothing. Batting a thousand. I know. Well, at least you're consistent. I am. Uh, Maybe I'll pour hours and hours of my life and my own money into this project that I'm sure will put me over the top. Repeat. Uh, so, anywho, uh, so as now, see now, I gotta be, I gotta be very careful about this because tonight at the Aladdin Theater there will be a live performance. Like I can't make any money on the live performance, but it's a live performance of a song from a CD on which I would make money. So I said, Christ is my witness. I don't even know what I can say now. Well, whatever. So tonight, the Portland Cello Project, uh, they have well, a little... I, I think you're safe to assume that <laughs> there will be no money in your wallet <laughs> on any project that you become involved with in Portland, Oregon. And despite my best efforts, nothing yeah. that I could really sit here and push it for four hours a day, and I'd still still never make any money on it. I think but, Tim, you do only need to be successful once. There, well, I'm waiting, then. <laughs> yeah. Patiently. <laughs> Anywho... Uh, we'll talk to a Sarah Dillon in a moment who's joining us on, I guess she's at the airport right now. Um, so tonight, the Portland Cello Project is, uh, they're doing a show at the Aladdin Theater, doors at 7, tickets at, uh, 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 show at 8, tickets still available, I think. Um, and, uh, so a whole bunch of people are going to be performing accompanied by eight cellos, and among the performances, uh, will be a live performance of a song called, uh, Geek Like Me, which is a song that I, uh, recorded and released with a band. Who I don't believe I can identify. Anyway, so... Uh, How much money was made on that one? Nothing. I nothing, Tim. So. Still in the hole. Uh, $4,000 in the red. I understand. Well done, that. Rick Emerson. <laughs> Just sitting there, laboring in a basement in northeast Portland for the better part of a year. Mm-hmm. This is the one. This is the project they'll remember me for. This is it. My ticket out of this. I'm going to kick the dust of this heels off my town and see the off the world or whatever it is. That George Bailey thing? None of these things happened. Anyway, uh, so tonight I was supposed to be performing Geek Like Me along with Jaris Minsky, who does, uh, plays guitar and sings harmony on the song. Um, I got an email from him yesterday. He's an ICU. Uh, it, it just, he, I, I think he would scale the wall and run from the hospital to make it there, but the, the, the doctors just flat out forbade it. They're like, you can't. He's there for a week. They're not going to let him out. Uh, and I had all this, I had this weird conflicted guilt. I actually called Sarah about this last night. I was like, I don't know what to do. Because I, you know, I felt like I should show solidarity and not, you know, and not perform. If he couldn't perform, like if he was going to have to miss it, then I was going to miss it with him and we were all going to sacrifice together. But then I thought, well, there's, you know, maybe X number of people who are going maybe partially to see the song. And I didn't want to be that guy who then, you know, they, you know, so-and-so regrets that they will not be here tonight to perform. Sorry you bought tickets that are now unrefundable. And the show must go on or whatever. So, uh, so uh, I will be performing the song tonight. Uh, somebody else is going to accompany me on guitar, uh, but we're going to. It'll be it'll be for the Gipper and also Jerris. Uh, so that's happening tonight. Uh, before we do anything else, let us uh, now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend Sarah F. Dillon. Hi. Well, hello, Rick Emerson. Gosh, you never stop talking. No, I don't. <laughs> it seems like a tedious eternity, doesn't it? Hey, so I heard that one of my favorite bands is going to, well, the lead singer of one of my favorite bands is going to be performing tonight at the Aladdin Theater. Is that true? I can't believe it. Yeah, they sing this rap song called Geek Like Me, and I'm so upset that I'm going to have to miss it, but I think everyone should definitely go check it out at the Aladdin Theater tonight. Aladdin Theater tonight. You're a, you're a good person. Where are you right now? I am standing outside, uh, out in front of the airport in the glorious sunshine. How come it's sunny the one time that I decide to leave for the weekend? Oh, wait, so you actually, you're still in Portland then? I'm still in Portland, yeah. My flight doesn't leave till a little before one, so I am hanging out. 
at the bar with my friend Weaver, and uh, we're having some cocktails. I'm actually having, I'm standing outside right now having a, a Viso and vodka, and it's really good. Good for you. Now, have you, did you uh, deduce whether or not you're going to be able to get through security with all of your vodka? You know, I have not deduced that yet, but I have all my mini bottles in the uh, proper size uh, plastic baggie, so we'll see if there's going to be a problem. So you are prepared. Excellent. I am, I am very well prepared, and I'm very, very excited. I can't wait to go. So you're going to be, so by the like three or four o'clock this afternoon, you will be in the uh, you will be in the warm Vegas desert. I sure will. I'm going to be at the uh, glorious uh, Wild Wild West yeah. Hotel and Casino. Fantastic. Excellent. Eating an In and Out burger and thinking about death. All right. Well, yes. Uh, so order a double double for me. Oh, I did with cheese, of course. All right. Uh, so uh, so best to Jay and Lisa and everybody. So travel safe. And uh, if we don't talk to you uh, before then, I guess we will. You're going to be rolling. Are you coming right from the airport to here on Monday? I'm coming directly from the airport. So that's <laughs> going to be a real treat on Monday. Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. And I guess, and we are. We went around the room earlier. We are. Uh, I think everybody is sort of of the opinion that you probably won't be sleeping that day. You're just going to come directly here from Vegas. Probably. I, I probably assume that much. Wonderful. She'll have that wonderful Vegas glow about her. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> a horrible sunburn, one of the two. Cas- yeah, Casino yeah, definitely. stink on you. Yeah. All right. Uh, travel safe. Have a good time. Uh, be safe. We'll see you on uh, Monday then. All right, right. Have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye. Oh, Sarah Dillon. All right, so there you go. That was Sarah Dillon? It was. Oh, I was kind of... <laughs> <laughs> well done, Tim. I was kind of half listening. That didn't sound like her at all. Best show ever. Well, I was busy looking at the naked lady in Dick Cheney sunglasses. Be careful how you use all those words in a sentence, please. But anyway, they are posted. <laughs> uh-huh. You can see both of them. But the naked lady doesn't have a head. Please now be even more careful how you use all these words because okay. we've now had, we've now had Dick Cheney, uh, naked lady, and head, all in the same sentence. Well, you can go to my website and decide for yourself. Okay, go to RileyLive.com and decide. Excellent. I don't think it is. Do you make money on RileyLive.com? No, I just pay money out on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, anything that has Portland in its name usually doesn't make any money. There is, uh, there's that that group, the uh, the the. Buttery whatevers. Uh, they sing that song though, the the da 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 da, famous but only in Portland, which really is yeah, just hits home on so many levels. It does. Um, anyway, so uh, so our condolences going out to Jarris Minsky, who won't be able to make it tonight to the eleven. But if you are uh, if you are uh, in the area, in the mood, so inclined, uh, the Portland Cello Project, which is really pretty cool in its own right. Uh, I mean, I'm only one small part of it. I'm doing like four minutes out of a two-hour evening or whatever, but it's. It's pretty righteous. Um, it's uh, not to be just sitting go on and on about me, but uh, it, w- oh, please do. But but but, but more about me. Um, we did the rehearsal, and you know it's just like this. It's just like this dumb song that I wrote in like literally like nine minutes in a hotel room, uh, you know, in Seattle about a year and a half ago. And so Jarris and I are at the rehearsal space, and they kind of you know he kind of counts us, and we start playing the song. And then there's not one, not two, not five, not seven, but actually eight cellos that then begin accompanying. And it's like for a moment you can almost believe that it's an actual piece of art. Like for it has like this sheen of quality for just for just one second where you can almost believe that it's like an actual, it's like a real song. So that is happening um, tonight. So and to uh, Richie Bristol, whose letter to us, whose email you can read at rickemerson.com today. So uh, let's do. Uh, one call, then we'll break, and we'll come back with CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Why, hello, and how are you? Hello, hello. Hi. 
Hey, Rick, man, uh, from Northeast Portland, but I'm down here. Uh, I've called you before. My name's John. I work with the Blazers. Yes. Down here in Sacramento, we got a game tonight, but I just want to let you know I'm listening to the streaming audio. Fantastic. That just launched time. two weeks ago, and it was just for re- for occasions such as this that it comes I in. Tra- I travel for work, my man, and then what I ended up always having to do is just get you off of iTunes or whatever it was, download them off of you and listen to them on my iTunes. And, and now uh, you can listen, hear it as it happens. You can stay in touch with your home city. As it happens. This is sweet. And actually, if I make this call fast enough, I can actually hear my voice. And then the universe will fold in on itself and reduce <laughs> to a singularity. Hey, I'm the one that worked with Bible Man, and you made fun of me after I called you. Why, why would I possibly have done that? You said I, I was talking like I was stoned. Oh. I haven't smoked in years. All right. Well, that's your story, sir. Go Blazers. Go Bible Man. Peace All right, out. my friend. Travel safe. Bye. There you go. All right. Uh, I don't have time to do it here, but we have a little bit of a fun uh, fact about Lisa Desjardins that we will uh, share around the corner here in just a moment. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. It is Friday. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We'll be back right after this. Oh, I'm sorry. Kristen, we talked at the beginning of the program, and then I forgot to do the how are you today. It's okay. How I'm are doing, you today? I'm doing fabulous. And we're done. <laughs> back after this. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay right there. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come later on today, CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop, Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Uh, the top five, and uh, we will unveil the final name for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11, happening Thursday, uh, May 15th, 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom. Ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome from the hill, CNN Radio Correspondent to the stars, Lisa... Desjardins. Hi there. That is correct. What am I thinking right now? Hello? Hi, what am I thinking right now? You are thinking about Dan, my new boss. Yes, I am. Why would I be... Would you like to share with everybody the... uh... (laughs) Well, I want to hear on your end how it went down. Okay, so let me give a little backstory to this. So, um, about a week, a week and a half ago... um, we had Sarah had casually made the observation to Dan, who was the guy who sort of books these live shots, um, that uh, I don't remember what, what the hell it was. It was uh, I can't remember what the first one was. It was something. But, but it was like an observation you'd made about the movie Footloose or something. Yes, it's something minor. And Sarah said, hey, by the way, uh, when we talked to Lisa, we really loved it. Was, you know, she was great with the Footloose observations today. And he then sort of passed that along to you as though it were some sort of actual consulting advice. Yes, yes. It was it was instantly transmitted as a sort of bullet point, managerial bullet point. And then then we started to wonder, well, like, could we just get him to sort of mindlessly pass along anything we said? <laughs> and so we, we had toyed with all kinds of different sort of fake observations or, or you know, critique or whatever. And we finally settled on... Um, 
after discarding the theory that you use, quote, too many syllables when you speak. Which I did like, right, right. We, we decided on Melrose Place. And so we uh, we talked to Dan earlier this week and said, oh, yeah, she's great with the Melrose Place references, too, which he did dutifully pass along to you. Seconds later, that's right. So here's what happens this morning. So I come in, and I have the CNN prep sheet, and I, I hand it to Kristen Bowie. He was in for Sarah Dillon today. Oh, hey. And uh, Even better. And, and that, that's the other great thing is Kristen had no idea. So I... I, I I circle, you know, the, the correspondence or whatever. We pass it along. And Kristen is on her cell phone, and I'm in another room pulling some pages off the printer. Kristen comes down the hall, and she goes, um, Dan from CNN wants to talk to you about something. I don't, you know, and I said, well, that's kind of odd. <laughs> Great. So I take the, I pick up the phone, and I said, hi, this is Rick. And he goes, hey, Rick, this is uh, Dan at CNN. And, um, hey, so uh, how are you doing today? And I said, fine. And he said, hey, um, so... Rick, I uh, I don't mean to be... And let me just ask you, Ashley, Lisa, before I even reveal this. Now, is he in on the gag? No. Oh, that makes it even better then. Not at all. Because I pick up the cell phone today, and Dan from CNN is talking to me. And, and I said, hi, Dan. How you, how's it going? He said, great, Rick. Look, I... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to say this. I I don't want to be, uh, you know, that guy, Rick. Uh, but uh, if you could uh, do me a favor and just uh, not make so many references to the uh, the Frenchness of Lisa's last name, that would be really good. <laughs> did you instantly know? No, I didn't, actually. I, I did I did a thing I said, excuse me, which is like my sort of stock response whenever I need time to figure something out. I said, excuse me, and he goes, well, you know, Desjardins, if you could just not lean so heavily on the fact uh, that it's a French name. I think, uh, you know, we'd all really appreciate that. <laughs> At that point, that's when I knew, though. That's when it all came together in my head. And I and I kept my composure, and I said, you know, Dan, no problem at all. I am a professional, and, uh, you know, we can absolutely uh, we can absolutely move forward from this point, and uh, we will, uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll just sort of we'll, we'll adjust as necessary. So thanks for pointing it out. He goes, no problem, Rick. I mean, otherwise, everything else is great. We just uh, wanted to make you aware of that. So, <laughs> so thanks so much. Oh, that's well fantastic. And you know what? That the, the thing is, it, it was so brilliant, though, because you picked something that could conceivably be like a real critique. Right. Uh, because if you you know if you were talking to some guy in like Lick Skillet, Kansas or something, uh, I could almost see uh, the last name kind of becoming a thing that it was some sort of an issue maybe, or that somebody I don't know that somebody would I don't know that they would make a comment about, or that it would seem like they were you know seizing on the Frenchness of it. So it is a critique that that can pass for real. That's what and that's what I was going and and especially it was definitely a kind of you were in the dark. I was gonna just I was just gonna put it out there. <laughs> And see see if it landed as I had hoped. No. And it did, I was really worried that Sarah would be like, "What? What are you talking about? No, we love Lisa's last name. No, no, no. You know, but but I had a feeling. I had a feeling that it would it would immediately work. No, you know, and the, the thing was, it was even better uh, that Sarah wasn't here, and so the phone got handed directly to me. That's good. That's even better. That's fantastic. Well, he requested you. Really? Is yes. it, oh, I guess he. Yes. Okay, so there you go. So he actually specifically asked for me. Wow. He really he was he was looking out <laughs> he was looking out for me, and and I wish I could send you the uh, the message that I sent him. He's like, oh, you know, I'm sure KCMD will call later. And I said, well, you know, if they do, uh, I don't really know how to say this. <laughs> but could you, could you, they're, they're just, Rick really is getting a little over the top with uh, the Frenchness of my last day. I didn't even say like, that, he, that you were using an accent, that it was the Frenchness <laughs> of it that is the problem. <laughs> And so then he he, he just I said uh, 
He said, oh, okay, sure, no problem. And I said, Dan, you are the best. <laughs> Fantastic. No problem. Dan, you are the best at being the unwitting dupe of our juvenile games. I do feel terrible. <laughs> no, it was. You know what? It brought us amusement, and in the, in this life, entertainment and smiles are in short supply, Lisa. So anything that provides laughter, that is something we welcome with open arms. And it's arms. nice to know when a new boss will back you up like that too. Oh, really? It is. It is nice to know. I mean, I, I, wow. It, it is true. You can you know definitively that he will go go to bat for you on even the smallest of minutia. <laughs> It's fantastic. It's true. <laughs> it's, it is kind of interesting and maybe, I don't know, indicates something bad about me, either, either me or this program that he so unhesitatingly believed that I would somehow be seizing on the, quote, Frenchness of your last name. Not, I was waiting for the question. What, what do you mean? <laughs> and no. he didn't, there was no clarifying no. question asked. Nothing. <laughs> he just, just took it at its face value and charged forward with it. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I can see that. Oh, man. I love this job. I really do. Oh, all right. Um, well, anyway, on, on that tip, as the young people say, you know, I uh, I had something to, to ask you about housing, but, you know, I'm just going to move on because it's just because I immediately it's like uh, when I I uh, I do not know how to swim at the age of 35. I don't know how to swim. Really? I don't. Um I, I could not swim. I mean, I guess maybe if you toss me off like a, a frigate in the middle of the ocean, I might have to figure it out at some point. But, uh, you know, like I can't swim the way that normal, like, humans can. <laughs> I mean, I, I might be able to save myself, but only maybe. Like doggy paddling? Is that is that what is going on? I guess, although that's such an emasculating and horribly humiliating term <laughs> that I don't even like to think about it in, in like, relation to myself. Um I just, uh, I uh, I have, it's not as bad as it used to be, but I, I, uh, I have kind of a thing about the water. Um, I got kind of a, kind of a low-grade phobia. Not nearly as bad as it was when I was a kid. But so for that reason, uh, I just never learned to swim because my whole thing was just to stay as far away from the water as possible. Um, anyway, long story short, I remember once, uh, this really is the longest way to go to just tell you that I'm not going to talk about the housing market. Um, but I remember once being dragged out to, like, some lake or some God, some godforsaken body of water by somebody in my family it, with, with this sort of admonition, like, no, 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 it's going to be fun. And you could tell it wasn't really a statement. It was like a command. And being taken down to the edge of the water and sort of being made to wade out into the water. And I must have been about nine. And getting to that point where, and it was sort of an uneven riverbed, like the, 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 it, was not a, uh, it was not a uniform surface at the bottom. And at one point, just feeling the riverbed or the bottom just start to start to sort of go uneven and then give way entirely underneath me. Oh. And that moment of horror of like, I'm about to be over my head. I think I might die. So every time we start talking about the the housing market, it really is like stepping into that, that murky Kennewick <laughs> water once again. And I feel like I feel like we did we did have a very good uh, sort of eat your spinach conversation. And you did, you know what? And you really uh, took it to the mountain, as they say. You did, you did the best job that could possibly be done with my feeble brain about such things. Um, but we, you know, we do have um, President Bush's tax returns. We just got information on that fascinating topic. Is that is it truly fascinating? Uh, I don't know. Do you, you want to give a guess at uh, the president's income last year total? I don't know. It's like I feel like the, 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 my whole the bar by which I judge all these things has been blown by the news that the Clintons made like five skillion dollars in the last ten years. So yes, I, I mean, because is the president allowed to have other income while he's the president? Yes, he is. But but it's generally investment income that's in a blind trust. It, it could possibly be 
past income from a book or something. For example, Clinton or Obama or McCain would all have that kind of income. Yeah, I got nothing. I have, uh, let me see, President Bush's income, this is for uh, fiscal year 2007? That's right. I got nothing. Tim, how much money would you say President Bush made in 2007? Do you have a guess? What would he he have done? (laughs) Well, that's a larger philosophical question that we can probably tackle now. Mostly it's investments. I mean, he's, you know, former oil man, former baseball man. I got nothing. Kristen, anything? Nobody. Blanks. Blanks. Here's the, here's the thing is, I feel like I'm in a showcase show down here where I almost have to a dollar because dollar. otherwise my guess is going to be so phenomenally off the mark that mm-hmm. your estimation of my financial abilities and acumen will know, plummet even going further. To totally under or totally over yeah, got, what he made. I got nothing. It's, it's about 900000 Oh, see, that's way that's way higher than I would have guessed. Oh, really? You know, it's a, it's a bit lower than I would have guessed, especially yeah. out of the Clintons. After So he, the Bushes really... Uh, in much greater financial duress with their 900000 than the Clintons at this point. Uh, all right. And the, uh, Just a little bit less than Obama. And the, uh, well, Obama really is, I mean, in, in, in all kinds of ways, he is, I know that we're now completely onto a different track. We've jumped the rails here, but... Um, it, just as as a brief question, and then we'll talk more about this in the coming weeks, would you say that in terms of uh, certainly fundraising and in terms of many other things, that, that Obama is going to be viewed as a sort of before and after dividing line? It's very possible. It, I think politically it's very possible, especially if he does go on to win the presidency. It's going it, that, that very much could be the case because he is changing a lot about uh, how you approach a race like this. And between the Internet and the way he he is as a speaker, all of those kinds of things, getting young people out to vote, uh, if he is successful, I think that's possible. It's if in- not, I'm, I'm not so sure. And it's interesting that, that Obama is so handily schooling the Clintons. Uh, it is sort of an interesting changing of the guard because the Clintons themselves uh, sort of uh, revolutionized campaigning in 92 with the, the sort of creation or at least perfection of the concept of the war room. That's right. They, they really were pioneering Democrats. The Democrats really did not play the game the way the Republicans did at all until the Clintons came along and then uh, really showed the Republicans a thing or two, actually, about how, to, how, do, you, uh, how do you battle when you're on defense? How do you, how do you throw knives when you're still... Uh, how do you, how, I guess, how do you hit a mark? How do you uh, throw an arrow? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. How do you do something when you're on defense? But. It is, it is interesting. It is sort of a, uh, it is sort of a, 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 and the pupil becomes the teacher uh, kind of moment in 2008. Uh, let's see. Right. L- last but not least, um, I know to some extent. What do they? What they have you talking about the the, the airline thing? The air, the uh, don't they today? They do. There was a hearing yesterday. Uh, which I which I watched, which was uh, the head of safety for the FAA, uh, really was just slammed by the senator in charge of the aviation subcommittee. He he minced no words. He said uh, this this is an agency that is spiraling downward, and he accused the FAA of really being too cozy with the airline industry. And I, it, it's funny we were talking about this the other day that it, it, I mean maybe this should go without saying, but really when you're talking about a pl- you know an airplane which is a you know. I don't know, a 30,000-pound piece of metal, which is somehow seemingly defying the laws of gravity and flying above the earth. It seems like one of those things where you, you know, you wouldn't want to just sort of let these things slide for a long time. You'd, you'd want to be taking care of that proactively. Right. This problem with American Airlines really is not, uh, it's not something that is a, a drastic, uh, imminent death-type problem, but it is something that could, under all the right scenarios, lead to, a, a, a catastrophic failure in the landing gear or even an explosion. But it, it, you, a number of things would have to happen, and, and the odds are 
against it. However, this is something that the airline, that American in specific, should have been uh, having FAA inspectors look at for the last two years, but they never did it. And so now they're doing it all at once because because the heat is on. And so that's why all of these airlines are backed up. That's why they're doing all these inspections at once because they they never did it before. Meanwhile, uh, I've got a, a Dan update here. I just now am getting an instant message from him. Everything okay with KCMD? <laughs> Excellent. I was actually just about to make the observation as we sort of wrap this up that you the, – the great thing about it is that uh, – is that you sort of had the last parry here because I obviously can't now be passing another note along about you or else it's going to look like we flat out loathe each other uh, and that we're barely tolerating each other for the sake of, uh, you know, for the sake of uh, collegiate uh, decorum or whatever. Right. So anyway, so, uh, yeah, I have you just let him know that uh, let him know that I seemed use this phrase, do this, say that say that I seemed suitably chastened. <laughs> Because that'll make him feel good about his own sense of power and persuasion. Okay, that's good. That's what I'll, that's, that's what I'll say. All right, fantastic. that message right now. He's got it. Excellent. All right, big plans for your weekend? Uh, no, not at all, actually. Just uh, grocery shopping with Mom. <laughs> you really do lead the life of kings. <laughs> Don't I? The commas, go into the commissary <laughs> at Fort Myers. Excellent. All right, uh, have, a, uh, have a good weekend. We will uh, talk to you on Monday, then, undoubtedly. Excellent. All right, bye, Lisa. Bye. All right, there you go. That is Lisa Desjardins. Fantastic. Wonderful. Was the discussion that she didn't want her last name to be known as French? Then how much of the conversation did you catch? Part of it. So you know that we passed this fake note about her uh, to her producer the other day just to see if he would relay it. So we said something about she's really, really great. We'd like more Melrose Place references, which is like a total gag. Like, I was just making it up to see if he would tell her, and he just mindlessly passed it along. KCMD wants more Melrose Place references. And so sort of like how Ron Burgundy will read anything on the teleprompter, we figured out that her producer will repeat anything that is said to him in terms of notes. So she then responded by making a fake uh, complaint that we were stressing the Frenchness of her last name too much. And he, he asked for me specifically on the phone today. Like, hey, this is Dan at CNN. Can you not stress the Frenchness of Lisa's last name so much? That's funny. So he's sort of the, I do feel kind of bad, he's sort of the unwitting patsy of, of our uh, kind of uh, hmm. broadcasting ping pong match. Because that is a common French name. Is it really? But it's pronounced Desjardins. We should, oh, I should say. You know why? Because I, should... I grew up in a city full of Desjardins. Really? Yeah. We should we should point out to him that her that she's actually pronouncing it wrong. That she, she is pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> well, so maybe nobody ever told her. She wanted to be French, oh. and she's still doing. It. I'm sorry, you're uh, you're not pulling off the Frenchness. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. How can I help you? Hey, Rick, this is Chuck. What's up? Hey, I had a a, a note you might want to pass along for uh, Lisa uh, to her boss. Okay. And is, is that Desjardins? Ha ha ha. But anyway, uh, how about? The, the KCMD audience really responded to the uh, impromptu Ed Gein reference. Uh, did she make an Ed Gein reference at one point? No. no oh, I see. So this would be a fake Ed Gein reference. Yes. All right. And speaking of Ed Gein, yeah. I've got a pocketbook. It's, it's, it's paperback from years ago. I've got to find it because I put it away. Uh, I didn't want anybody getting their hands on it. It's an Ed Gein book. It's about the case. And it has these uh, unedited crime scene photos in it. Well, I do and, love crime scene photos. 
Well, and the thing is, if if I give it to you, you got to promise never ever to show it to Sarah or or uh, Tim. I I don't really know that Sarah or Tim would be clamoring to see yeah, unedited Ed Gein crime scene photos, sir. I looked at it once, and I've never looked at that book again. That's why I've got to go find it. Well, then but, just let Rick Emerson wet his beak. Okay, yeah, and I figure because you won't use it for prurient interest, I'm sure. <laughs> no. Okay. Bye. <laughs> really, that honestly, kind of what do people think of me, really? I'm just going to be a long I weekend at home with some Ed. <laughs> Big plans? Just me in a darkened room and some Ed King crime uh. scene photos. Wow. All right. Promise ever to show those to me, though. Yeah, seriously, because I know that you'd be going out of your way to try to look at them. Right? No, Rick, more than anything, I have to see those. I'm going to rifle through your desk <laughs> when you're downstairs one of these days. <laughs> and bring one of those small Japanese cameras with me. <laughs> just looking for just looking for photos of dismemberment. Oh, all right. Did you ever see that movie, I Dismember Mama? No. Okay. I Dismember Mama. <laughs> it's a real film. I've got it at home. All well, right. I'm not disputing that. Um, well, it doesn't look like Jim Roop's calling us. Let's stare at the phone for a few seconds and see if it works. Not working. <clears throat> Maybe he's busy. I'll find some California news for you, then. I'm going to give it five more seconds of staring. And then we're going to give up. You said that with a tone of voice, like a parent, afraid that if you didn't say that, that I would just do it all day long. All right, we're going to... Okay, no, no, no. You're, no, okay, you're going to let the dog do that one more time, and then he's got to go... No, and then we're going to stop, honey, okay? All right. All right, let's take a break here. Back after this. Tim Riley around the corner. Have ye news for us? Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, coming up later on, we will talk to Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Today's top five, and we'll unveil the name of Rick Emerson. Listener Party 11. Stay there. It's a Rick Emerson show. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop, who we will speak with at uh, 140. Uh, Scott Daly coming up later on, top five and so forth. Rick, this email says about Ch- uh, Dick Cheney's glasses. Here's why that reflection in Dick Cheney's sunglasses is most definitely not a naked woman. Wouldn't the guy taking the picture, you know, actually take a picture of Cheney with a naked woman? If he's there, and Dick Cheney is there, and a naked woman is there, why take a picture of his glasses? And why would Dick Cheney be seen by anyone with a naked woman? Nothing about this naked woman theory makes any sense at all. What if a naked woman was taking the picture? It's not one but two. So you're saying if there was... There's one in both lenses. That would make a lot more sense. Two naked women with cameras. But wouldn't she also, like, out herself and say that she took the picture because she wants the glory? You're saying he might have two naked women there, one for each eye. It could be Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> she wanted to do something like that. For an art project. By the way, uh, this guy says, um, this, by the, this is the worst email you're going to hear all day. Subject line, you know, Richie wouldn't have this mouth problem if he just douched regularly. Rick, this has been the, he says, he says, this has been the grossest week ever. I can't believe Kristen has to sub on such a disgusting week worth of shows. Uh. So, uh, anyway, end. All right, well, luck of the draw, sir. I guess she's just fortunate. At the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, 
This is Tim Riley. Not content to bring people from Clackamas County into Portland, now we want to extend the max into Vancouver. And a debate is brewing. At a packed meeting last night, citizens voiced both support and opposition, but a moderator had to step in and reclaim control of the proceedings. Apparently, things got out of hand. The topic of the war crept into the conversation, as supporters claim light rail would help reduce dependence on Middle Eastern oil. Whatever. One woman said the war was about freedom and not oil. <laughs> so apparently this got out of hand. I almost wish I'd been there. Almost. I'd like to be a fly on the wall. A Washougal Mayor Stacy Sellers had to step in and steer the meeting back on the topic. So they haven't made up their mind on uh, whether or not should the MAX train go to Vancouver and bring people from Vancouver down here. Now, don't they already have... They have a bus, which is good enough, I would think. What is C-Train? Is that a bus? Yeah. Okay, bus. so they don't have a train. No, they uh, don't have a train. Is that because... The last I heard it was because Vancouver hated us and didn't want the train to go That's not true. Vancouver wants to but be Vancouver us. loves us. I was going to say, Vancouver, Vancouver hates us uh, the way that uh, Jan hated Marsha. You know what I mean? Only because they secretly wish to be Portland. Don't don't bother calling in the night. You know it's true. Uh, and I know that's the same thing Seattle says about Portland, but it is true in this case. Now, is it? Now, I had also heard that it's because, like, we were willing to build... You know, to, to 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 pay for the max to get all the way up to the border, but then like Vancouver was going to be expected to pay their half of it, and that they didn't want to do, or they just didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Quite possibly both. So I'm unclear about why there is no train from here to Vancouver. Well, there is uh, an Amtrak train, but it just stops there to get gas, apparently. <laughs> and, <laughs> you have to and jump out as it's speeding through. You have to leap from one of the windows. Uh, when I was out on Wednesday. Uh, with Terry from the street team, and we we're doing our, our kind of weekly. Uh, can you uh, sweeten my mic ever so slightly? Thank you. Uh, doing our. I wonder how many times a week I ask for my own voice to be made louder. People can't hear me well enough. Turn. I have to be the loudest thing in the room. Especially since you spent five minutes this morning talking about how great your processing was. Well, I haven't the, touched it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Let them think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Just Chris, just humor him. That, that facelift looks great. <laughs> No, no, no. He looks very peaceful and natural. I'm sure he didn't suffer. <laughs> Anywho, I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about now. How was the go? Fools. Uh, oh, no. When Terry and I were out uh, doing our, our door-to-door thing on Wednesday, we were up on some, uh, kind of like 94th or something, uh, and we were at a max stop, I saw some of those cops they always claim they put there. I never thought they were real. I thought they were like pseudo cops, or that I thought that maybe the cops they put at the max station was like those dummies people get so they can drive in the carpool lane. I thought maybe it would just be like a cop mannequin sort of propped up somewhere. I, I saw them on the day they said they were going to be cops. No, then I, I didn't see them again. On Wednesday, I think they were cops, or otherwise they were just muggers in yellow jackets trying to earn your trust before bludgeoning you. Uh, there were two guys who did appear to be cops at a max stop at about 98th and. Uh, Got like my 98th and like division or something like that. So well, that's good. I'm glad they're out there. So they're, well, there's well two anyway. So it, to the best of my, so there are in fact at least two cops uh, that we uh, you know that we're familiar with. Do we want to take a call uh, where the, the the description is dismembered his mom? I'm not sure. Well, let's find out, shall we? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. How are you doing? What would you have told Timmy Ryan that would result in the phrase dismembered his mom being put on the screen? Uh, he fabricated that. He also answered the phone KUFO, so you better put him in check. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to ask you when that was released. Because uh, do you remember 
FX, the movie? Uh, with uh, Brian Blair. No, Brian Dennehy and Brian Brown. Brian Brown? Yeah, the Australian. And Brian Den- he's Brian Dennehy in FX? I'm Brian Dennehy. He's a cop. Uh, it's all very confusing. Who's the guy from Cocktail? That's Brian Brown. Brian Brown. He's also the guy in FX. And I yeah. do believe it's in, in the little-known sequel FX2, by the way. The yeah. Art of Illusion. Uh, Actually, never. I've never seen FX2. No one has seen FX2. Let me just say that uh, I saw the original movie FX when it first came out in, what, like 85, maybe, 86? Yeah, uh, something like that. Don't remember anything about it. What does that have to do with dismembering? Well, they make up all sorts. He's an FX artist, and right. they make up all sorts of movies, like The Mannequin Depression. Right. And one of them was I Dismembered Mama. No, no, no. So. I Dismember Mama is a real film, though. Uh, it's, uh, I was I, just wondering if it was influenced from that movie or if it came out beforehand. No, I think I do believe I just remember Mama is it, it predates the movie FX, and so it probably is just some kind of a reference. I'd have to ask my friend Siegfried; he's sort of the master of knowledge oh. on, on sort of grindhouse movies. But if I do, if I remember correctly, and maybe I'm not, but if I remember correctly, the movie I just remember Mama actually A has no mother and B has no dismemberment. It was like a completely different film about like. You know, it's like some guy with a nail gun at a sorority house or whatever. But they decided that, like, it needed a snazzier title. And clearly somebody just opened his desk drawer and went through, you know, Carnival? No. Uh, you know, guy, you know, hatchet-wielding nutcase? No. I just remember Mama. Good. And it was like a leftover title that they stuck on a movie that had nothing to do with said title. So. What's it about? What's that? What's it about? I think it's just a guy. I think it's just like a guy who, I don't know. I think he hacks up co-eds or something. But there is no mother and there's no real dismemberment. Now I have to go home and watch it and figure it out. I'll, I'll come in with a full report Monday, sir. All right. Thanks for the info. Thank you. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, so getting back to the match for one quick minute. They're still not checking tickets if you're going westbound until you get to 170th. That's when they get on. So you can ride for free until you get to 170th. Duly there's, noted. There's never anybody anywhere else so on so the max checking tickets. So Fairless Square is, in fact, many, many dozens of yeah, miles. Yeah, it goes all the way to 170th. Excellent. You'll never see anybody check tickets ever. Uh, so getting back to other things, I'm a little suspicious of this story. I'll read it, then you decide. A shot fire turned fatal this morning at a rural home in Boring. It's unclear at what point that somebody called 911, but when crews arrived at the reported fire, the homeowner knew nothing about it. So she told uh, firefighters, why don't you check the shop and back? Well, crews went to the shop and back of the house and found two fires burning, and the victim was found dead in a doorway. Lifelight was called, but it was too late. The victim died at the scene. Wait, so who called? Nobody knows who called 911. But the woman in the house in front of the shop that was burning knew nothing about it. So she said, go back there and check. Well, the place is burning, and they find a dead body in there. Well, that's kind of bizarre. It is, isn't it? And this is and now is this off in some sort of a... Uh, Boring. I mean, but I mean, is it, it's not in the highly populated, real, like, urban part of Boring. I've it's never been the, to Boring. I don't know how populated There's really it is. no really highly populated Yeah, it's all basically just a wasteland. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all, unless it, maybe it was... Okay, could it have been the person... Who called? Uh, could have been the, the, the dead person who, in fact, called? Maybe. I guess if you called, though, you wouldn't report that, quote, there was someone uh, who was caught in a fire. I guess he would just go and go, ow, or whatever. So, or yeah. I would have gotten out and not called. <laughs> I suppose. I get given a choice. <laughs> save my life or reporting that my shop is burning down. I would certainly save you my life. You would have chosen going through the door. Because yeah. I remember when, uh, I don't know if you remember way back when, but, uh, Do I ever? I was having a fence put up in my front yard of my rental property when the fenceman chopped the gas line. So I was told to evacuate immediately, and of course 
I did. I grabbed my cell phone and my dog and got as far away from the house as I could. Yeah. Have you ever uh, been in a gas station when they had somebody, there was some sort of a gas leak, and a guy had to come out and press that big red off button? No, I never have. I have only had that happen to me once. Speaking of, of moments that you will sort of remember forever when you felt like from, there was one second where you felt like you were going to be consumed by an inferno of flame. Um, there was, uh, when I was, I've, I've told the story before, me hitting the gas pump when I was a kid, but my dad was trying to teach me to drive a clutch, and I was, of course, retarded and couldn't figure out how to do it. And so he, I don't know what led him to the idea that somehow I had been incapable of driving correctly all day long, so obviously the best way to cap that whole experience is to take me to a gas station where I'm surrounded by, you know, gas and tanks of gas and pumps full of gas and hoses full of gas, but I'm trying to pull the Jeep up to the gas pump, and then I let off the clutch too soon, and a crunk, and I kind of lurch forward, ram the Jeep right into the gas pump. Uh, didn't tear it completely out of the ground, but it became sort of a like a leaning gas pump of Pisa. And all I remember is the guy running out from the gas, and like running and hitting, smashing the glass and hitting the emergency shutoff button or something. So anyway, well, there you go. That's interesting. Can we do it again? <laughs> Why do I feel like today is just I'm being placated through the whole program? No, 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 Rick. You're really very funny. No, your program is full of amusement. Really. Not only is the price of gas going up, for some reason, the price of rice is skyrocketing. It's a rising as demand for rice is outstripping production. That, according to the International Rice Research Institute, who says prices have risen 70% over the past year, leading to demonstrations by those who depend on rice. Disinterest? That's really fascinating, Tim. <laughs> American Airlines just can't stop canceling flights. <laughs> it pretty much goes without saying that if you bought a ticket on American Airlines, you're screwed. Uh, they're canceling everything, and there's still plenty of problems at PDX. Let's see what's canceled. Your departure, oh, no, that's done. Uh, so if your flight is canceled, chances are you're sitting there disappointed at this moment. So it, it doesn't do you any good that I repeat what already happened to you. If uh, you're planning on going anywhere in American Airlines, you won't be. You won't be. <laughs> Just get rid of those dreams right now. Fold up those hopes and put them away in a chest. Uh, okay, so I'm looking here at, um, this is a good sign. So I'm looking here at the IMDb entry for I Just Member Mama, uh, which came out in 1974, so it predates the movie FX by at least a decade. User rating, 3 out of 10. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. 96 people have taken the time to register at Internet Movie Database and vote on the movie. Have you in your life, Tim, ever voted on a movie at IMDb that you were not in? I've never voted on a movie on IMDb. That's what I'm saying. Mean, Kristen? Um, I've, I, I registered just to read the forum. That's me. That's too. I think I have, and I, and I don't even think I used my own registration. I think I got some, like, one-off bug me not or something, and I registered just, same thing, so I could read the message board. Ninety-six people took the time to go to Internet Movie Database, actively seek out the movie I Dismember Mama, and then register their thoughts on it. And, and that, that takes some serious time. You have it, to put effort into that. It does, and yet after all of that, plot synopsis. Plot synopsis is empty. Click here if you would like to add <laughs> plot synopsis. They couldn't even be bothered. Uh, to describe the film. Uh, the tagline for I Just Member Mama, though, is Haunting desires seething in the mind lead to a night of ghastly atrocities. Uh, starring Zoe Hall and uh, Joanne Jordan. So look for her by name, won't you please? Here's Tim Riley. Well, a Tawalan man says he found a tooth in his bowl of honey bunches of oats. Mario Orozco says he was eating a bowl of cereal when he chomped down at a hard object. It smelled funny. It looked like a human tooth. It was. <laughs> I just ate a 
example of that last night. Fantastic. <laughs> so he called the company, and um, they denied the fact that they put a tooth in his cereal. So he's disgusted and worried about a possible health risk. <laughs> it just grosses me out. <laughs> it's, it's not a good feeling at all. Why would the tooth even smell? That doesn't make any Why sense. Why would he call the company to explain <laughs> how the tooth in your... What, what would they expect the... Uh, what, what response would he expect? Well, and how, are they, how would they possibly be expected to, de- to determine where the tooth came from? Why did he smell the tooth? I don't know. Well, did he smell the tooth? In, like, did he pick the tooth up and go... Or was it that he poured a bowl out... Can you re- can you describe exactly? Is there like a blow by blow of how this happened? <laughs> There's a picture of a tooth. Because I know if I found a tooth in my cereal, I would not smell it. Wait, here's a here's a body part in my cereal. Maybe I should hold it up to my face. I just saw a tooth in Dick Cheney's sunglasses. <laughs> a Tualatin man said he found a tooth in his bowl of honey bunches and oats. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he checked the bowl beforehand. Mario Orozco said he was eating a bowl of cereal when he chomped down on a hard object. He said it smelled funny and looked like a human tooth. Well, there's a photo. Well, why would you do it? Why would you do this? They have a tooth. This is, but see, but you can't even. That's what I thought too. But you, you can't really tell. It's like the photograph is taken from about a mile away. You're a naked lady. Orozco said his dentist told him she could see tooth enamel and decay on the object. So did he have to make a dental appointment to see the tooth? Well, it seems like he would still be able to. It sounds like he bit down on the tooth and then went to his dentist and said, like, hey, what is this? But it seems like your dentist will be able to tell you definitively whether it was, whether it was a tooth or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Orozco called the cereal company, he said they only offered him a refund for his breakfast part, so I can buy more of this fun cereal. Orozco said he's disgusted and what worried about like? Several teeth? a possible health risk. Um, just thinking about it grosses me out. It's not a good feeling at all. Orozco says he wants to find out if the object is or is not a tooth, and then he'll decide what to do next. Like, what would your possible next step? What is it you're deciding on? What What is it you're waiting to see? Like, what if they... If, uh, all right. Well, there you go. So there's that. Um, let's see. Oh, by the way, speaking of teeth, uh, before we move forward here, let me read this. This is an email from Richie Bristol. I encourage everybody now to go to rickemerson.com and look at the photograph of Richie. Oh, I've already seen it. Did you see Now, is it yesterday's or today's? Is it the one with him holding the newspaper? Yes, it is. Is that today's? Yes. Oh, I always saw it. Kristen? I saw it. All right. Uh, everybody now uh, who, who is not Kristen or Tim, uh, go to rickemerson.com. You look at this photo of Richie Bristol. Uh, this is the email I got today. Hello, all. Sorry I won't be able to make it in Friday. First of all, I'm so high on meds, things are blurry, and I'm foaming at the mouth. <laughs> and that lest you think that that's just a figure of speech or some sort of an exaggeration, if you look at this photograph of him, you, you can't actually see said foam. And by the way, if you look at the photograph directly below that from the previous post, when his face was already swollen, you can see that the dental work appears to have just made things worse. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on Richie's dentist. I'm just saying it, it didn't really look like a whole lot has really been cured at this point. He says, they cut an incision inside my mouth two inches long and halfway through my cheek. Then, I apologize in advance for this phrase. Then proceeded to... Squeeze my cheek like a tube of toothpaste. Apparently there was some pus to deal with. He said, no, it gets worse. He said, unfortunately, the assistant... You know that little vacuum thing they put in your mouth to sort of suck things up? Mm-hmm. Apparently that wasn't working properly. And he says, this is the worst phrase. I mean, in a week full of terrible phrases, in a week full of awful, 
off-putting, horrendous discussions. This may be the worst. I received many samples of what the inside of my cheek tastes like. Oh. <laughs> it hurts too much to sleep. After taking eight Vicodins, I still couldn't sleep. I think I'm going to hit the casino tonight because I have the best poker face ever. Ha ha. Anyway, so there you go. So that's uh, Richie Brush Bristol. Brush your teeth, kids. So, seriously, <laughs> beware the tooth beaver. So, uh, anyway, so Richie Bristol will, uh, will not be in. Uh, presumably he will be in on that Monday. Here's Tim Riley. Well, I hope he's feeling better. No more salmon fishing on the West Coast. The Pacific Fishery Management Council has adopted a complete closure of commercial land sport Chinook salmon fishing off the coast of California and Oregon. Jim Milbury says the closure is the first of its kind. This is uh, probably the most drastic, fairly unprecedented as far as commercial salmon management goes. The council adopted a complete closure of commercial and sport Chinook fisheries off California and most of Oregon. Yes, uh, where is salmon fishing off limits, Jim? Salmon fishing for recreational and commercial fishermen from Cape Falcon, which is most of Oregon, uh, down through California will be closed. So eat something else. Duly noted. Chelsea Clinton will add Portland and Corvallis to her stops this weekend. Uh, yes, Chelsea Clinton will campaign throughout the Beaver State tomorrow. In Eugene, she'll be there at 1.15. It'll be the uh, 2008 Platform Convention of the Democratic Party of Oregon at the Hilton Eugene and Conference Center, and she'll be in Corvallis at 3.15. She'll host the event, Our Economy, Our Future. Then in Portland tomorrow night, 6.15, she's hosting Our Economy, Our Future at uh, PSU. And you have to RSVP if you want to see Chelsea. Well, and they always and they, these things always happen on a day when I can't go. Uh, you know, it's always it's always on a day when I'm busy or I can't go or when we're unable to. Uh, I mean, I would really have angled to try to get like a, like a small phoner or something with her, but of course it's on a Saturday, so that's not going to happen. Because everybody does want to go hear Chelsea Clinton's thought uh, on the economy. Did you see that story in Yahoo though about how now it's become an almost uh, it's become an almost every time occurrence where like the fourth question is something about Monica Lewinsky. Mm -hmm. So that's got to be all kinds of awkward. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. And I guess Hillary told uh, Bill to stop talking about uh, that thing at the airport where she was under uh, sniper fire. Was he still? Yeah, did he somebody not get the memo? No, was he, there some he did sort not of a, get the memo. And then she was pinned down by mortars. And it, it was the, what else? What there was something she got caught making else something else up the other day. It was something about one of those like healthcare stories that you you tell on the stump, you know, because the, the politicians will go out and they'll they'll talk about their platform and they'll talk about what they're in favor of, and then they always John Edwards was the absolute worst with this. They will then always drag out the anecdote that has to do with somebody they met just recently. And he worked three jobs. Ex totally. That's exactly what it is. It's a, well, it happens to people like Luella Schlarp. I just talked to Luella last week. Luella barely drag herself out of bed every morning. Luella, Luella lives in a cardboard box and recently had to eat one of her own feet to survive. Um, and you know these these politicians never talk to people like no, that. No, no, of course not. No, I mean, there's some flack. There's some guy making $4 an hour who goes out and does that. Um, but I guess Hillary got caught at passing along, probably unknowingly, but passing along some some comment about the uh, some story about somebody who got shafted at the hospital turned out to be flat-out fabricated. So they're having a little bit of an issue with that stuff recently. Here is uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, police have arrested a Salem man who was accused of trying to steal a car from a Kelso gas station while the owner was inside paying for stuff. Happened at 1 o'clock in the morning. They say Severo Gaza was drunk when he got into the man's Dodge Neon that was left running while the man delivered uh, some newspapers inside, apparently. The owner was able to stop Garza as he was trying to drive away. The owner told police that Garza said, uh, 
could I have your car, bro, before leaving the scene? <laughs> At least he asked. <laughs> Did he ask that as he was driving away? I suppose Can so. I have your car? <laughs> um, someone says, hey, if Richie is Vietnamese, why is his last name Bristol? Was he adopted by Whitey or something? Please to explain. I don't really know, but now I'm going to wonder about it. I'll put it on the list of things that we'll inquire about, uh, Miss. Maybe he Americanized a former name. That is, that, see, that's entirely possible. Uh, here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, let me talk to you. Uh, let's see. I'll wait to do that a little bit later. Anyway, uh, Lindsay Lowen's mom, Dina, is dismissing reports that her daughter will be doing a full frontal nude scene from an upcoming independent film. Uh, British newspapers, including The Telegraph and some reported Lindsay Lowen, will be uh, going to bear it all in the film called Florence. She'll uh, play a sex-addicted waitress. But in an email to Access Hollywood, Billy Bush, who is, I guess, in charge of that, he says, uh, no, she is not. Uh, Access Hollywood said that Dina Lowen didn't indicate whether her daughter actually had the role in the film or not. The reports of a movie role follow Lindsay Lowen's partial nude spread in New York Magazine's spring fashion issue in February. And that pictorial, Lindsay Lowen recreated uh, Marilyn Monroe's famous pose in the photo shoot The Last Sitting, taken shortly before Marilyn Monroe died. So wasn't this, is this the, the, the thing we had the other day where she was going to be in some movie for $80,000? Yeah. <laughs> some, like, low-budget, look, uh, will, you, uh, will you show everything for eighty grand? Fine. Uh, this email says... Um, Hey Rick, uh, no, this is a, this is actually a this is a separate observation. Uh, this one says, "Hey, I just checked out the photograph of Richie. Boy, he looks like this homeless guy that accosts me for money every morning, reeking of whiskey. It really is true. He does look for all the world like one of those guys that would ask you for an oddly specific amount of uh, money downtown. Every he might actually help him at this point too. I, clearly, the Vicodin and the Valium are having like no effect." Every time I go downtown recently, the homeless guys have sort of figured out this new thing where they ask me not for, like, spare change in general or for, like, a buck or can you spare whatever. They've now started asking for, like, a weirdly specific amount. Like, can you spare a dollar and 12 cents, sir? Which I guess is maybe supposed to convince me that there, that there is some... Like, Legitimizes it. Well, that there's some specific item they're working toward. Like, it's... Like they they have some some value menu item picked out that they, you know that they they really just need that exact that amount for. Bottle of vodka. Yes, here's a, here's a little uh, tip for me to you. It doesn't work. I'm still not going to give you money. Here's Tim Riley. A 90 year old woman accidentally backed into a McDonald's, disrupting a bingo game and sending a couple to the hospital with minor injuries. Lois Weber told police that one of her tennis shoes became stuck under the gas pedal of her 2004 Cadillac, causing her to lose control. She says she recently changed the uh, shoe brand that she was wearing and not used to the wider fit. So tickets were issued. She has a driver's license. She was able to drive her car home. Uh, the car crashed into wall and window at a restaurant on the, uh, the broad Ripple neighborhood of Indianapolis on the north side. The car pushed John Atkinson, who's 80, and his wife Beverly, both of Indianapolis, uh, across the restaurant. They were playing bingo. The couple suffered cuts to their hand. Who's playing bingo at McDonald's? I don't really know. And why? <laughs> But that is a confluence of all good things in life, isn't it? What, it sounds very Midwestern. What, what shall we do? Let's go play bingo to McDonald's and then kill ourselves. Oh, Jesus. Is this, um, were they hit by another old person? I mean, they must yes, have been. It's always an old person. Naughty. Yes, of course she was. Uh, did she, and uh, there was the obligatory the, uh, stuck accelerator, accelerator explanation? There's a different brand of shoes. Uh-huh. Yes. All right, there you go. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back after this more from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop, uh, Scott Daly, and uh, Timmy Ryan's top five songs from the 80s to which you wish to drive along on a sunny afternoon. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Ring, 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 ring,
Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I don't even know uh, what this website is for. Somebody just, here's what, a, here's what a puppet I am. Somebody just sent me an email with a link saying, click this. So I clicked it, and the first thing I'm getting is a, is a window saying, warning, viewer discretion is advised. I mean, I could take the mouse and close the window, but I'm not. I'm just sitting here staring at it, waiting to see what it is that is going to horrify me. Well, nothing's coming up. There you go. There's my prurient interest in my ADD all kicking in at once. By the way, thanks to the person who sent me the photographs uh, from Sanford. There was one of the, 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 uh, one of the uh, Olympic torch protests or whatever yesterday. You know, there was a whole bunch of blah, 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 free Tibet, blah, 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 China, blah, 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 torch, blah, blah, blah. The best thing is, right in the middle of this big San Francisco protest, there's some idiot holding a sign saying, Would we have allowed Nazi Germany to host the Olympics? Fantastic. Thank you. Of course not. Of course not. That would just be wrong. Uh, let's see here. Hey, Rick, it looks like Richie was bitten by some scorpion from the mist. Something in the mist took... That's exactly what it looks like. If you've seen the mist, there's that whole sequence where uh, the girl in the supermarket is bitten by that big winged thing uh, that comes in the front window, and then the side of her face bloats up. That's, exact, that's exactly what Richie... He looks like a bloated girl from the mist. That's what he looks like. Uh, let's see. And before we uh, resume the news, we've got this. Rick, here's a top five suggestion for you. I'm not sure if you're still taking... We did this thing on Tuesday, which was great. It was kind of it was kind of stress-inducing, a lot of work. It was funny though, where we couldn't quite figure out what top five to do, and so we spent about an hour and a half taking top five suggestions from the audience, and then, uh, you know, we settled on one and had to get it done and ready and you know locked and loaded by two o'clock. People are still sort of submitting these. Rick, I'm not sure if you're still taking top five suggestions from Tuesday, but here's one I'd like to hear: top five men who look like old lesbians. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Number five, Bruce Coburn. Tim, you look like you have a suggestion. Bruce Jenner. I saw him recently. Bruce Jenner's number one. Well done. That's awesome. Have you seen her? Win. <laughs> no. Next, he's going to be announcing he's pregnant. <laughs> Top five men who look like old lesbians. Number five, Bruce Coburn. Number four, Roger Ebert. Uh, number three, Peter Chris. Number one, Bruce Jenner. But number two, oh, I don't Don know. Imus. Oh, well, that is true. Don Imus looks like the skeleton of a drag queen. Jesus. All right. I mean, used to. I'm assuming he still does. If only we're Nobody talks about him anymore. If only we're possible to watch him and figure that out. He's on the RFP channel. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I have I, I no idea. You know, I get, hundreds, <laughs> I get hundreds of useless channels, but not that one. I mean, no, I'd much rather have a ninth channel selling me bad jewelry. Mm-hmm. Jesus, with selling me jewelry uh, in which the stones are made up of like things that I uh, names that I know have just been fabricated moments before they went to air to try to sell them to me. Some big what is this? Well, it's a big purple stone called a, you know, it's called Zolarium or whatever. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh oh, Bruce Jenner. This is gonna bring on some iPod fatigue because a new iPod will be able to store 500,000 songs. Uh huh. Can you imagine somebody buying that many? Well, I I can imagine me buying that because it has, uh, you know, no, 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 this one's much better. It has That's like the the 500,000 song iPod is sort of like in the early days of the Internet. I was actually having this discussion. I was going to lie and say with somebody. I was having this discussion with, with myself. myself. <laughs> that's yes. fascinating. No. As I battled incoherently to myself while riding on TriMet. As I spoke out loud, alarming passers-by. As I was on the 14 line. As I spoke to imaginary angels and scratched myself raw. 
Um, and I said, you know, <laughs> you are so right. <laughs> As I was cleaning one of my many guns. <laughs> Carrying on long monologues with Satan. And I responded. <laughs> so, anywho, so I was in the kitchen yesterday having this whole discussion with myself um, about... Into a shiny frying pan. <laughs> Answering back in the voice of my dead mother. This detergent is so mild on the hands. <laughs> I love this show. <laughs> Anywho, um, so, uh, no, but I was thinking about search engines for some reason. I was thinking about Google, and uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I think I, I read some article about Google or Microsoft trying to buy Yahoo or whatever. But I was thinking about sort of the early days of the Internet, at least in terms of, you know, the, the, the wide use of the Internet. So like 94, 95, 96, when it, when it was really ascendant, when the, when the growth of the Internet was really starting to become pretty explosive, and how... Before Google, it's interesting that there was no universally agreed upon search engine. So, does anybody remember what you used to search before Google? Anybody? Go. Tim? Yahoo? Sometimes. See, but that's the thing. You're, just, you're, like, you're not quite sure, are you? No. Kristen? What I did you use? Yahoo and Netscape's built in. See, I didn't use. I didn't. Uh, I used Yahoo occasionally, but I used Hotbot for some reason. And Hotbot. I don't even remember what it. I don't even remember why now. It just sort of seemed like there like. There was one that had the logo of a spider that I can't remember the name of that I used a lot. Of see, it's kind of an interesting thing though that that, yeah. we, that, that Google is when when the course of about six months, Google just became the thing everybody on earth used. But before that, we were all just scattered around. Like this is much less interesting than I thought it would be. But um, what what was my point? I did have some larger issue here. You were speaking to yourself about the 500,000 songs. <laughs> now we're oh. on the right Exactly. No, that really is it. So, but I remember in the pre-Google days where search engines would do this dumb marketing thing where they would try to establish themselves as the definitive search engine by bragging about the number of results they would get. And so I remember at one point Hotbot, which I think was owned by Yahoo, maybe or owned by somebody. Owned by, it was owned by Wired Magazine. That's who owned. That's why I used it because Hotbot was the search engine owned by Wired Magazine. So I remember at one point Hotbot took out some series of horrible like blinky banner ads at some point, touting that like on such and such search term, like Yahoo only found like forty thousand results. Hotbot found four hundred thousand results. Which, of course, is equally useless because who has time to read through? Who has time to look through either 40,000 or 400,000 results? That is a meaningless advertisement. Well, they found 400,000 pages I can search for this term. Fantastic. I rarely go past page two. No, no, but that, that's the great, but see, that's the great genius of Google. It's not the number of results. It's the, this is a really fascinating topic, I'm sure, to everybody. It's the algorithm that puts useful results at the top. That's why Google is so great. Advertisements at the top too. Yeah. Well, yeah. To, to be fair, at least they label those, or they're, yeah. they're sort of cordoned yeah, off. But it's that the it's that the first results on Google are typically going to be pretty useful. Whereas in the early days, literally, there would be like you know, as, here's search search result one of thirty nine thousand four hundred and twenty two, and so you would then be there for about nine hours waiting through all the search terms. That's what I think of when you mention a 500,000-song iPod. Even thinking about 400,000 options on, like, a 56K modem. Really? But, but it needn't be songs. You could also store 3,500 films. Well, that's fantastic. This uses a racetrack memory that uses the spin of an electron. The sure. thing is, is that the battery's never going to last that long. <laughs> the best thing is how you say it, like, matter-of-factly. No, 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 it uses a spinning electron, Rick. Of course. 
Uh, well, okay then. That sounds great, Tim. I love spinning electrons and all that they can do for me. Well, they they can furnish you with 500,000 songs or 3,500 films. Well, that's, you know, Tim, yeah, that's just, uh, I still I still don't need one of them fancy iPods. I'm going to rely on complete strangers to pick my music for me. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, everybody. Uh, back in the day, I used to use Alta Vista. Alta oh, Vista. Yeah. yeah. And still, they've got a uh, an awesome kind of translator called Babelfish. Yeah, no, that is the definitive online translating tool. Uh, that is the thing that Alta Vista will be remembered for. Uh, the best Douglas Adams reference ever. Totally, and it, and it, and it it works actually fairly well. I mean, it, you know, it's sort of crude, but every now and again, if you absolutely have to get something translated, I will uh, go to the Babel page that Alta Vista, Alta Vista runs, and I will use it to translate something. Long after that company has vanished from memory for everything else, that tool will be what they are remembered for. Yep, and you can translate, you know, single words or uh, entire phrases, yep. and they get them pretty much grammatically correct. Now, when so. my wife was uh, in Panama, and I was trying to be clever and, like, send her things in Spanish, that was the tool that I would use to do it, so. Nice. Well, what I really called about was a uh, dental abscess story, which is what it sounds like uh, Richie had there. Well, fantastic. And, well, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, actually. So, you know, your 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 face starts to hurt on, on your jaw, and you're not sure what, and then it starts to swell. So I finally said, okay, i got to get myself into the dentist. And they look in my mouth and they go, oh, well, there it is. I'm like, well, well, what, what is it? And they say, oh, it's this abscess. So here, we're just going to poke this. So they took the dental hook tool. We're just going to hold on. Let's, back, let's, <laughs> let's stop here. Kidding. First of okay. all, can we, can we back up for a second? I don't mean to sound like a complete uh, nimrod here. <laughs> Tim laughs as though that ship has sailed. What is an abscess? I mean, really, honestly, what is that? It's basically a, like a fluid-filled sack inside of uh, some tissue. Worst description ever. It's a fluid-filled sack inside some tissue. Horrifying. Do you realize? And imagine, All right. imagine you've got, like, you know, basically like a pimple inside your mouth, and so they take this hook, and they just burst a little whitehead, and it just fills my mouth with the most disgusting, like, rancid milk flavor. Okay, this is the, the worst thing I have thing. ever heard. Why? Um, did you better. wait? Let me ask you. Did you wait until the lunch hour, specifically? No, I'm just, I just—I got to be in the It took a few minutes, so I wanted to call in before, Excellent. so I didn't miss it. The, the other great thing about I just want to take this one line at a time and parse this sort of Jesuit style is how, A, you have the phrase, well, I had a huge abscess. Then you said, so they took this big dental hook thing and then followed up by, and then they said, we're just going to poke this. I mean, that's like three things you don't ever want chained together, and then you just laid them out one by one by one. So thanks for that. Well, that definitely relieved the pressure, and then they're pushing on the outside of my face to kind of squeeze it in and, and get it all cleared out. And that, what they told Ringing me Ringing your cheek out like a washcloth? Basically, it, oh, it was just disgusting. And yeah, you don't say. To, you need to get in because you've got an infected wisdom tooth. And I'm like, okay, so I'll, I'll go and get that taken care of. So I go see the dentist, and um, he said, you know, and like as Dennis Dewey says, well, we're going to take your wisdom teeth out. Uh, you want us to go ahead and take the tops out as well as the bottoms? I'm like, well, is there anything wrong with the tops? He said, not really. I said, let's just No, it's just fun. Yeah, well, the fun part was that uh, he had to give me an extra shot because of the way the tooth was affixed to the jaw and kind of underneath another tooth. Basically, had to get a hammer and chisel, crack the tooth in half uh, to get it out. I can't tell you how much I'm grateful for this call. Okay, well, I figured you might want to hear it, or, or rather might not, but might enjoy being discussed. Can I tell it. you this? No, I really did enjoy it, and it was all worth it to see Kristen Bowie actually at one point sort of doubled over with her hands over her face just now. <laughs> so well done on that score, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hi, Tim. How you doing over there? Oh, fine. Thank you. That was disgusting. <laughs> Rancid milk flavor. That's what this program's all about. <laughs> it really is. 
Uh, Kristen, we know what the 18 to 44 year old male demographic enjoys. We pander to it relentlessly, day I'm in, not questioning day it at out. All. <laughs> all right, here's Tim Riley. Let's walk carefully through these next few minutes, Katie. Apparently, Katie Couric met with Les Moonves in his office in February. They were discussing a possible exit strategy. Ms. Couric is personally close with uh, Larry King's executive producer, Wendy Walker Whitworth. That's Wendy oh, Walker really? Whitworth. And Mr. King's uh, latest contract will expire next summer, seemingly perfect for Ms. Couric to step in. But a CNN spokesman says Larry's going to be here for a long, long time. Uh, so forget about that. So the, Because that would be, that would be sort of... Uh, I mean, I'd have nothing against Larry King, but I mean, for, for CBS, that would be kind of the best of all possible worlds, mm-hmm. because then it wouldn't look like they were just blowing out the door. Uh, they could say, no, 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 this was a great opportunity for Katie. And of course, what would CBS say, as they always do, if the, if CBS effectively told her, like, look, you got to leave, uh, but look, Larry King is retiring. That that would allow CBS to say that that uh, that thing. The well, we didn't want to stand in her way. This was because that's how they could sort of position it. It was a great opportunity for her, so we felt like we had to let Katie do what was in her heart. And what's in her heart is replacing Larry King. But CNN says no. Well, anyway, when she met in Les Moonves' office, Ms. Couric, along with their agent, Ellen Berger of CAA, uh, apparently there was idle talk and musings. <laughs> Pleasantries and chit-chat. But some of Ms. Couric's friends are describing her as miserable. Others say she's adopted a stoic reaction to what happened. She declines to comment. She's fine. In this, uh, she's annoyed, though, at some of the stories. But she's got zero to lose. <laughs> That's how you always want to have your career described. Well, there's really nothing on the downside for her. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's up? I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you remember the first thing that you typed into a search engine. Yes, I do, actually. Um, uh, in fact, it actually goes even further than that. I should have known this would start a whole thing, but it goes it goes further than that. Um I I don't know that I remember this first thing that I typed into a search engine, um, but I do remember the very first uh, thing that I ever typed in as a direct URL. Because this may sound to the kids today, uh, this may sound strange, but when I, I when I was first using the internet, I mean, if you didn't, I don't even think the first time I used a web browser, I don't even really think I know I knew that search engines existed. In other words, I, I, I'm, you know, and it's and how do you search for a search engine? I mean, if you, because I think you would boot up the, the the Mozilla, the Mosaic or whatever it was, the Mosaic browser, which is the pre Netscape browser, and I think the home page was just, uh, it was like just a just a picture. Like I don't think the home page was Netscape.com or anything. So my friend and I typed for some reason we had a magazine laying nearby that was open to an article about the new James Bond film and I think literally the first time we typed thinking we typed it was jamesbond.com just to see what would happen and for whatever reason it routed to lycos.com which was a search engine uh, which was a search engine of the time uh-huh. uh, and I think that is how we discovered that search engines even existed by typing in the James Bond URL which routed to lycos so there you go and we probably just typed in, like, boobs or something is the first. I don't really remember what the mine, first search was. Mine, mine actually was Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Fantastic. I would like to know what percentage of people first typed in, like, sex as their first, uh, you know, entry or whatever into my a search first, engine. My first search engine search, I got in trouble in middle school for searching Leisure Suit Larry. Nice. Good <laughs> reference. Excellent. Weather is here when you're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and a horde of male listeners not approvingly. All right. Thank you, sir. Later. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it seems this prognostication of a 70-degree temperature is a bunch of hooey, because so far it's only 52. How's it going to be 70? It's a bunch of flim-flammery is what it is, Tim. 
Uh, Washington Governor Chris, uh, Chris Gregoire's big biodiesel campaign bus is Oregon plates, and it's causing all kinds of problems. Uh, she used the bus as a photographic part of her campaign tour of 10 cities this week. The GOP is circulating photos at your Oregon plates on the Washington governor's bus. Uh, so nobody's offering any explanation. Maybe she got a better deal on the bus. By the way, Tim, you'll appreciate this. The, this email says, Rick, don't feel bad about having full-on conversations with yourself. I was having a discussion with myself once, and I actually caught myself saying, look, we both know that's not true. <laughs> so, yes, I referred to myself as two separate people. I'm awesome. Yes, you are, sir. That's fantastic. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rick, there was AltaVista, About.com, Yahoo, Magellan, Ask Jeeves, Excite, or Lycos. Um, and this, and he says, Lycos rocked because it didn't say porn searches. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, does anybody here remember... I have to be careful. This could be the entire show. Does, does anybody remember uh, their first uh, online nickname or handle? I've never had one. Really? really? No. Kristen? I still kind of have mine. Oh, really? So you yeah. don't want to use it? I don't care. Do you, it, it was the Douglas Adams reference. Do, do, you mind, do you mind revealing it? Yeah, it, sure. It's um, never forget your towel. Oh, that's pretty great. Yeah. And so it was all as one. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. I don't do underscores. I'm above that. No, no, no. Underscores are that's uh, underscores are for lame. They're for babies. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what an underscore indicates? An underscore indicates that you just took whatever the suggestion was that the web page gave you. Like you sold out to the internet. Well, that's well, that or that you just couldn't be bothered to come up with like another word. I mean, and and underscores. Like you said, look, I want to be called. Uh, you know. I, I want to be called like, uh, um, you know, like, like, whatever. Like, what would, what's a thing that a guy, I want to be called raw sewage, you know? And you put that in, raw sewage at yahoo.com. And then you hit submit, uh, and then it says, I'm sorry, raw sewage is taken. Uh, here are some suggestions for you. And one of the suggestions that they will give you is that with an underscore. And if you, that is what the small the small minded person does. Just says okay and takes whatever it is that Gmail kicks back to you as an option. Uh, I will. Not, it's a it's a point of pride with me that I've never used an underscore. In I anything. would argue with them when they tell me that Kristen Bowie's taken. I'm like, no. <laughs> There's another girl who's a year younger than me uh-huh. who has it in Ohio, and I want to copyright my name and then sue her. Really? You yeah. should. I would absolutely. Uh, you know, I'll back you up on that. I'll say that you <laughs> service marked it before that. Here's Tim Riley. Residents of Montana and North Dakota are the new Arabs. The government estimated today that up to 4.3 billion barrels of oil are underneath these two states. Those owning land there are going to become zillionaires. About two-thirds of this oil field is in western North Dakota, where the oil is trapped in a thin layer of dense rock about two miles underneath the surface. And just the other day we were saying these places were useless. After we took them from the Indians? Well, maybe, Tim, maybe they knew something that we did not. Oh, don't they still live there, them Indians? Well, maybe today. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> For this week. <laughs> we we are pretty good at moving people around as a country. That's true. We are, we are, that's really one of our only, we only have a couple of skills in this country. One is giving you smallpox. Uh, the other is pretending we don't understand a contract that we ourselves signed with you. Uh, we also have a pretty good sideline going and shoving you into a small useless piece of ground. So that is true. All right. Uh, that uh, wanted Marine has been found in Mexico and he's back in U.S. custody. Marine Corporal Cesar Loren was captured south of the border and is awaiting extradition back to North Carolina to face murder charges. Uh, Mary, the mother of the murdered Marine, Lance Corporal Maria Lutterback, says she wants to see justice served. I want the truth to come out and the American legal system to work as it always has. 
This case really needs to highlight the need to protect other military women. This Marine was living on the cheap in Mexico. He was found uh, living very uh, sparsely. A California man who found $140,000 on his way back to work has turned that money over to police. Elia Estrada found a wad of bills in the bag in L.A. County and says he couldn't believe what he found. I seen some package in the middle of the street, and I, uh, from the distance I was, I, I already knew it was a bag of money. I immediately told him, uh, pick that up. Um, I didn't want to say it was a bag. My, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. Wait, no, where was this at? California. So he found it was like a hundred and how much? Let's say $140,000. Don't you, wouldn't you automatically, I mean, we always have these stories where it's like, so-and-so found it. He was a good Samaritan, found $58,000 and returned it. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't you always return it because you would just assume that if you don't, somebody's going to come find you and beat you with a hose until your bones have turned to dust? Well, it's just like I found $5 in the change return thing at Fred Meyer, so I just gave it back to the cashier. Yeah, because, well, especially because there's cameras all over you. Know? Yes. I mean, I always figure, I mean, also it's the right thing to do. Uh, but basically, if you don't return it, I mean, a bag of $140,000, that's not like finding somebody's coupon for like a two-for-one at Subway. If someone loses a bag of $140,000, they're going to notice that it's gone. Uh, and so... That's a thing that I would always return simply because you know it's a matter of time till a SWAT team, like, kicks in your door. Well, Estrada says he and a friend who was with him uh, debated on what to do with that money. $140,000 cash in 20s, uh, unmarked. The debate was how we're going to spend it and how we're going <laughs> to split it. What should we do? Naturally, he was nervous. It could have been anything, one of many stories. Something could have happened. Uh, you know, they could have been following us. We left right away, and, and I was on uh, route to my to my job yeah we were just nervous all the way <laughs> so that's that uh three presidential hopefuls made cameo appearances on american idol john mccain let his sense of humor show with uh his time on camera american idol is a lot like a presidential oh, primary God. election except for people who live in michigan and florida their votes actually count as for me it's back to work on my new immigration plan Watch your back, Simon. Sounds like a guest on Mr. Rogers. Wow, that's really awful. I mean, he only... called his wife that mean word. <laughs> the only what? That wasn't scripted at all. No, not at all. Wait, what well, are we well, talking he about? His wife? No, it was a different thing. He lost his temper and called his wife a name. Who? John McCain? Yes. When? Uh, a few months ago, I guess. Do we have audio on that? No, we can't play it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I. Where was I? I missed this. What did he? Uh... Did it, it was uh, the, uh, was he, uh, it's, it, it's, it involves the third letter of the alphabet. A, B, A, B, C, really? Yes. Oh. Joe, that's a lie. John McCain never called his wife the C word. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to debate it. I'm just throwing out information. Do it what you will. When I say it's a lie, I'm just saying that sort of rhetorically. I'm just saying I can't but. I mean, not that you would ever peddle half-truths on this program. No, not at all. <laughs> not that our news would ever be anything less than 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. John McCain called his wife the C-word? Yeah. Wait, was this his current wife? Like the current trophy wife or the old trophy wife? The current trophy wife who's uh, bankrolling his campaign. Boy, she's got weird dead eyes, too. She's got the devil. She's got eyes like a doll's eye. But I mean, but a doll that we, like a talking Tina doll, a doll that would come and gut you in the middle of the night like a sea bass. It doesn't matter. She signs the checks. Okay, so I sort of, so it's like a Teresa Hines Carey kind of a thing? Yeah. All right, so, okay. Here's the thing. I apologize in advance to the IT people. It was in 1992 during his second bid. All right, he was on the campaign trail with his wife, Cindy. All right, I'm Googling. Right. I've got this right here. Oh, really? 
Okay. Because I'm Googling John McCain and the C word right now. Three reporters from Arizona on condition, uh, well, don't say who they are, mentioned this incident involving McCain's uh, swear words. In 1992, during a second uh, Senate bid, McCain was joined on the campaign trail by his wife, Cindy, as well as campaign aide Doug Cole and assistant Wes Gullett. At one point, uh, Cindy playfully twirled McCain's hair and said, You're getting a little thin up there. McCain's face reddened, and he responded, At least I don't plaster on the makeup like a trollop, you C-word. C-word. Jesus. <laughs> that, and bam. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a thing that is sort of said uh, playfully. That doesn't seem like sort of a joshing kind of a... Maybe uh, it's a term of endearment in their house. <laughs> It's sort of like an, it's like, it's just like, it's a regular on Golden Pond moment. Apparently yeah. he claimed it was a long day. Yeah, I, imagine, I was imagining, imagine it was a, a short word. Yeah, a, long, a long night as well. Wow. I'm looking right here. At least I don't plaster on the makeup like a trollop, you see. McCain has also used the F word. He called the guy an S head. <laughs> <laughs> was he the one that told them, was he the one that on the floor of Congress told some guy to go F himself? Is that McCain? Yeah, that's him. I think it might have been McCain. I do kind of, I mean, I do kind of like that blunt-spoken nature, I suppose, but Jesus, boy, that's that's really unexpected. I really, I don't know how it is that I missed that story. I'm uh, I'm glad you brought, I'm glad you brought that up, Tim. You bet. All right. <laughs> um, Edward R. Murrow's ashes are turning <laughs> in the ocean. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Somebody has an observation about Internet browsers. Somebody uh, found money and only pretended to return it. Somebody uh, emailed me a video that is, quote, shocking, and then we have a mystery call. Tim? Ooh, mystery call. All right. Uh, hello. Hi. Who's this? Hey there. Is this uh, my on? Yes, you are, sir. Hello. Hi. It's not a mystery. I was calling for uh, tips for Richie about the tooth issue. You know, Richie's not really here, right? Well, you can relay this to him. Yeah, let me get a pen. Hold on. Super. Okay, go ahead. Hey, had the root canal myself uh, a month ago, and... Um, you chose this call, Tim. I know. Hey, ibuprofen, ibuprofen. Ibu what? Ibuprofen. Oh, and this is already going badly. <laughs> oh, jeez. Try, try it one more time. Ibuprofen, you know, the... Uh... No, one more time. <laughs> Just give up and say a leave or something. Let's see how many times I can make him say it. <laughs> so you give, it, give the drug one more try, sir. Ibuprofen? Ibuprofen? I don't know. Try it again. Ibu... We're going to sit here until you get it right. <laughs> one, one more try. Ibuprofen. No. No. Ibuprofen. It's in there. You know what? Aspirin. Try it again. Uh, Tylenol. No, 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 no. No, you, you get it. You gotta get it right. Ibuprofen. <laughs> we'll give you one more chance. Well, the, the okay. Ibuprofen. No. That's classic. No, no, no. I lied. We're gonna give you one more. Go ahead. Well, the bottom line. Is no, no. You have to say it. Ibuprofen. You keep saying that, and we keep saying it's wrong. <laughs> Ibuprofen. <laughs> nope. No. Try again. Well, you know what I mean. We got two more hours to nope. go. <laughs> you are. Here's the thing. You're holding up everybody else who's on hold. We oh. have to wait until you get the word right. It all rests on your shoulders. It all rests on you. Oh, We're gonna. Jeez. I wish I had it here to, to read it. Try it again. There's only so many letters, sir. Try it again. It goes. Sound I, it out. I Ibuprofen. No. 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 Ibu. No. It's an anti-inflammatory. What is? That, that medicine. What's what's an anti what what medicine? Ices. And he should use ice. No, I'm sorry. We're not we, we can't go forward here until we get the until we get the drug right. Ibuprofen. No. Ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> the 
captured. <laughs> sort of blurring it. All right, sir. We'll give you one one final attempt. Go. Um, I, my my attorney has advised me not to. Uh, no, no, no. Don't, don't be an American, sir. Don't be an American. I ibuprofen. <laughs> All right. Thank you for the advice, my friend. Well, ibuprofen, ice. What? Lots of ice for the inflammation. Put ice packs on and then sit up when he tries to sleep, elevate his head, and um, and drink lots of water because all these pills are going to, uh, you know, wreak havoc on him internally. They're going and, to wreak havoc yeah, on him. Yeah, and, and especially in the uh, especially. especially in the lower GI, he's going to want to do a little... A little Metamucil. <laughs> can you spell Metamucil? No, but I can say it. <laughs> okay, so what pills should he try? He should do those uh, anti-inflammatories. Which are called what? Uh, you can do a generic. May this information be found at the library? <laughs> I got it from a nurse. Are you calling from Washington? <laughs> I'm here in Oregon. Uh-huh. And, uh, no, I went through all this, and it was horrific. I had the really? worst, worst pain in my life. Did you? I got an ice pick in the in the nerve there. So and, and a doctor explained to me, you know, the pain goes right into your pain center because the pain goes into your pain center. Yeah, because there's no there's no gate. I guess there's a gate, and everywhere from the neck down, there's some kind of little pain gate that a pain gate. Yeah, ramps the pain down. Uh huh. But if it's above the shoulders, it just goes right into. The All right, try to give give the pill one more try. I I I ibuprofen. All right, thank you. Hey, bye. All right. He was a good sport. That was really great. That was one of the best calls we've had all day. Thank you, sir. That was fantastic. That'd make a good promo. <laughs> I, I know that you guys didn't see the humor in that call, but I knew there was gold to be mined. I knew there was something funny there, especially when he could not pronounce uh, the, the ibuprofen correctly. Fantastic. Ah, here's Tim Riley. <laughs> uh, Hillary Clinton took an opportunity to ask television viewers to uh, donate to something on American Idol. I've had the good fortune of working with many of the groups that will benefit from your generosity tonight. And I can tell you that each donation will make a difference. To whom is she speaking there? To the American public. Oh, I, to all of us. Okay, I'm sorry. And then Obama said something. Whether it's across the street or around the world, Idol Gives Back is proving that when ordinary people come together, they can do extraordinary things. Oh, this is all of them on American Idol. Okay. Yeah, they're okay. all on American I'm sorry, I got so distracted by John, John uh, McCain calling his wife a C-word. All right, and then uh, what's his name there? Who couldn't uh, couldn't say anything? All right, it happens. All right. So moving on. On KCMD Portland. Uh, CBS News and the Academy Award nominated filmmakers of Jesus Camp team up for the Lord's Boot Camp. It's airing tomorrow night on CBS Television. This special 48 hours broadcast documents teens as they train to become Christian missionaries. Filmmaker uh, Rachel Grady says religion is a tricky topic to handle. It's one of those really intimate, personal things like politics or relationships or whatever that people really don't want to be told what to feel or think. So we've found that the best way to handle those situations is just to let the subject speak for themselves. And, you know, people will take away from it what they want. What happens when you follow the kids to the Lord's boot camp in the Florida swamp? They were sleeping in tents. There was every kind of bug and mosquito and spider and everything you could possibly imagine crawling around. And the kids were stinky, and they washed out of buckets, and they had them do manual labor all day. So they were definitely in tip-top shape to go out into the missions field when they were finished. 
I don't understand. Why is Jesus having the kids live in a swamp and bathe in a bucket? Because that's the way Jesus wants it. It's <laughs> did Florida. They, did they just? <laughs> I don't have my Florida sounder anymore. Did did the children displease Jesus somehow? This is part of the Lord's boot camp. All right. Parents send their kids to this <laughs> for whatever reason. Whatever. Hi, you're on the Rick. You're on the Rick Everson show. Hello. Hi. I walked up to like a Jesus town. Jesus town. Yes. No, this wasn't in Jesus town. It was uh, in San Jose, actually. Uh huh. I walked up to an ATM machine and it spit a hundred dollars out at me. So I took the money, but there was people behind me in the line, so I walked into the bank with it as if I was going to return it. You walked through wait, the bank. You walked into the what? Into the bank. Okay. Walked straight through the bank and out the other door. Maybe I've missed something here. Let's go back to the beginning. So you're walking by an ATM. Walking up to an ATM. Walking up to an ATM. As I walked up to it, it spits out $100. Just automatically? Yes. Okay. And so then you, were, did, did you think you were being uh, set up in some way? Well, maybe it was a motion. <laughs> now, we'll, now we'll never know. Maybe it was a motion sensor like our paper towel I dispenser. Couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I, I got the feeling that maybe he thought he was on camera. And then, but he, then he walked into the bank and he walked out. I was, I think I missed something in the telling he of the story. He didn't want other people to judge him because there were other people in the Oh, line. I see. Oh, okay. That, I must have missed that part then. You know, they don't want to judge All right. his So he wanted to walk into the bank as though he were going to return and then he left. Yeah. All right. Well done, sir. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. You have a browser observation. Yeah, Rick. Uh, hello, hello. There. What? Yeah. Hi. I got, a, I got a favorite one there for you. It's called metacrawler.com. Was metacrawler the one that was the spider web one? Most likely, it was it had like a, it had like a, a graphic of a spider when you go to the front page. Aaron sent me yeah. email saying yeah, that was web crawler. Web crawler. Yeah, here's, yeah. here's here's the greatest thing. Uh, if you can't find anything on that, there's an alternative to that. Same thing. It's called MetaSpy. There was another one actually, sort of back in the mid '90s. There was a website called Dogpile. Uh, that people used, and what Dogpile was, oh, it would, yeah. it would, when you would, it was kind of a clever idea. When you would search there, you would fill in the search field and hit submit, and it would then go to about 15 of the big search engines of the day, like AltaVista and Lycos and whatever, and then just aggregate the results and bring them back. It was basically a portal through which, it, you know, you could, they would convey your uh, request to other search engines and then bring it back to you. So yeah, and the nice thing I like about the MetaSpy is that actually dogpile other uh, browsers. Yeah, all of the uh, <laughs> all of those uh, were sort of they they all kind of fell like uh, you know just fell like wheat before the sickle before uh, Google. So yeah, uh, and the nice thing about MetaSpy is definitely uh, it uh, covers a lot of the uncensored or the uh, unfiltered sites that you can't look for elsewhere. Excellent, thank you, sir. Yep. All right, uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Ah, well, the guy that uh, found the $100, I, I would have just uh, walked up to it and said, Hooray, I won, <laughs> and then walked away. Yes, well, he was, uh, I think he was, uh, he was afraid of what the neighbors might say. Uh, well, they won. They, they just be jealous of him winning the contest, and they didn't. Well, he was at an ATM, though. He, they could, he could have taken out $100. I suppose. They didn't know. Well, and, but I mean, especially those ATMs, they always have, uh, I mean, they have, like, the camera that's that's pointing at you that you sort of know mm-hmm. about. But on ATMs, I always assume that there is a second sort of hidden camera. So, like, if you like block, the screen or like something? a pinhole, well, because, mm-hmm. I, mean, like, I mean, we live in an era where the cameras really are the size of pinholes now, and so there's no need to have a camera that's the size of a brick. So, I always just assume that the big, regular-sized camera is a decoy, that that's just there. So, like, if you're a dumb thief, you cover that one, never realizing you're being filmed by something that's, like, you know, the size of a pea or something. I never something. get the ATM that gives me money. They always steal my money and it then only, say I never put it in That there. happened to me. No, that happened to me once in Salt Lake. There was an ATM that when you would – it would double whatever you were asking for. So if you asked for 100 bucks, it would just give you 200 and it wouldn't reflect in your balance. 
So lovely. Yeah, but unfortunately, I had like a three hundred dollar per day limit, so I was only able to do it once, and I came back and they'd fixed it the next day. Well, how can I help you, sir? Oh, well, I sent you a video of just like one of the most disgusting gro- uh, growths uh, that you could have on the side of one's face. Uh, this actually happened to a friend of mine several years ago when we were camping. And, you uh, sent me a picture of a growth. Uh, no, it's actually a YouTube video. <laughs> oh, even better. Yeah. Um, anyway, a uh, buddy of mine, he uh, apparently got bitten by some sort of re- brown recluse or something like that. And uh-huh. the, uh, the the side of his face grew up to uh, about like fist size, just like just horrid and it was filled with pus and uh he squeezed it out and it shot against the wall it was it's the the worst thing i've ever heard that's even worse than the guy earlier wow that's my kid (laughs) are you you sure it's yours it wasn't like a neighbor child you found especially fetching no actually i rescued her from wolves but Uh, uh, that's uh, a whole other call well all right well thank you for thinking when you think pus think the rick emerson show Thanks so much. Bye-bye. That email earlier was really right. Disgusting week for me to come in. It really is. This is, is, you heard Richie's horrible story about the water bottle, right? Yes, I did. Okay, I was just going to make sure, because that is, I think, the worst thing that's ever been discussed on this program. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. A man has lost 140 pounds eating more than a half ton of baked beans. Yes, a diet of baked beans helped Neil King lose 140 pounds in nine months. In fact, since June 2007, he's eaten more than half a ton of them. 1,500 cans. Prior to this, he ate a full English breakfast, which at its heart, its heart consists of bacon and eggs. It may include a sausage, uh, sausage toast, those runny stewed tomatoes. And for lunch, he drank eight pints of lager beer at a pub after tea. He's from England. He made the switch from boozing the beans after being told he had a risk of bowel cancer. He says uh, he's been gas-free since he stopped having toast with his beans. Uh, the diet helped him go from 420 pounds to 280. Some people think I'm mad, but I love the taste of baked beans. He apparently ate six cans of beans each day and had them with rice for lunch and potato with his afternoon tea. His wife Cheryl says he's like a new man at 280 pounds. Uh, baked beans contain little fast and uh, full of fiber. It's best to go with the low salt variety, too. That's a water skiing squirrel right there. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay. I'm so afraid to pick up any of these calls for fear that it's just going to be some sort of, Rick, I had a gangrenous infection. I would like to, please now, I can like to send you high-res photographs of it. Uh, all right, we've got, uh, now I'm going to skip these other abscess calls. All right, Tim, I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. We have a call about a swamp, a call about John McCain, a call about a tooth abscess, or another mystery call. John McCain, just for variety, I suppose. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please don't be calling about pus. There's no way I can follow up that last call. No, I will not not be discussing that. Um, Actually, I'm talking about the uh, politicians usually spin things. That's sort of what they do. They take the, uh, it's not a war, it's a defense and such like that. Well, John McCain, if he doesn't... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're not going to discuss any, like, linguistic variations on it. No, no, so I'm kidding. Dude, his dude, to spin, seriously. His inability to spin the comment that was made to his wife. Here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. Just before we go forward, did you process what I just told you? The variations, yes. Okay, so let's be, let's not mention any of those. Okay, not without mentioning the variations, the yes. general fact that he is not able to spin what he said and what he did into something that sounds at least, you know, politicians' BS. You know, at least uh, the Clinton, the George Bushes that we've seen – 
that alone tells me not to vote for the guy. Well, I don't really think that there's any point in him spinning it because apparently it happened 16 years ago, and I'd never even heard about it. But then there's the other end of that. It happened 16 years ago. We're talking about it on the radio show. Mm. So it's obviously important enough to cons- cons- you know, concern the voting public. I don't know. I think his wife... I didn't put a positive yeah. spin uh, on it. All right. Yeah. Jesus. Wow. Well, the whole call was wearing me out. Like, it's all because Randy Rhodes got fired. Seriously, I was just going to say. <laughs> no, Tim, she quit, remember? I mean, well, she quit. Really, <laughs> I, I had never really put that together in my head, but I think that might explain calls like that. I mean, it was like I opened it and it was like some sort of, it was like a bottle of, uh, it was like a bottle of rank champagne that you'd shaken up really angrily well, before. Well, she wore all those and how would, the people out when she was on the air. So. Uh, and how would you like to spend four hours a day with callers like that? I Constantly. No. No, thank you, no. Well, she was kind of like that herself. So. Wow. You know, and I should have spotted I should have spotted right off that that call was going to just be no good. I'm not so. going to make any more decisions today, though. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> you don't want to. Okay. You don't, you don't want to. boy, <laughs> the show is in your hands. I will sit back here. Wow. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, I give you a gross out and politics free. Thank you. Uh, guarantee. Thank you. Uh, first, some advice for Kristen. If Rick asks you, have you seen or have you heard, just nod your head and say yes, whether you have or not, because you're probably not going to want to after this week. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Swamp, the reason that they're probably doing the uh, boot camp in the swamp is because they're probably planning on sending these kids to the jungles and swamps of Africa and Asia, and so they're getting them used to the... Oh, I see. So it's like, uh, a, uh, it's like a missionary thing. And so they're, yeah, so they're, is... yeah, that's what it was, missionary training camp to get ready to send these kids out and about. So they're getting them used to this is the crap hole you were going to be sent to. I suppose. And that probably is better than, I mean, like the Mormon church, I mean, it's, these it's the guys who go out on their, their mission for two years and... The, the missionary training camp, as I understand, this is a very, very sort of, you know, very, I'm going to say upscale, but it's a very nice, sort of very middle American uh, feeling place. And then it's like you get sent to Belize for two years where you're, you know, attacked by flying lizards, you know, 24 hours a day or something. So it can be a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a culture shock. So, all right. Thank you, sir. All right. No problem. All right. You know, that you're totally right about that last, not that last guy, but the guy before him being a Randy Rhodes caller. That probably is where he came from. I mean, really, it was like one, it was one of those things where you pick up the phone and immediately, like, the monologue begins and you can tell that there really isn't going to be any dialogue happening. It was just like this spewing of verbiage coming over the phone. And, and the sad part is, 99% of talk radio is that stuff. It really is, it really is true. That does remind me of why we no longer do, like, a political show in any way. Uh, let's just, uh... Do some news for a while. I started, I reached towards the phone just now. Mm-hmm. Well, what could this next call be? And here's the thing. It's a little bit crazy today. The next call is, yeah, the, the next call is going to be uh, some, it's some body part filled with something semi-solid that I don't really know that I want to hear about. Or it's going to be somebody, well, and then is Rick. Bill Clinton's name pronounced Clinton or Clinton? <laughs> <laughs> I actually heard somebody ask that really? on a political show not too long ago. Oh. And the screen to put it through. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's exactly the kind of call we're looking for. No, no, no. We're going to move you to the front of the line. So no disrespect to the people on hold, but we're going to uh, we're going to uh, we're going to take a little break from the calls for a second. We'll get, do some more news. Come back to the phones here in a, in a while. It's very important for us to do. Uh, Vanilla Ice has been released from jail today following his arrest on the charge of simple battery. He pushed his wife. The 39-year-old rap performer was arrested last night at the couple's Wellington, South Florida home. The wife called 911 saying. He had kicked and hit her during an argument over buying a bedroom set. She later told Daphne he's the only pushed her. Vanilla Ice's real name is Robert Van Winkle, and he denied it. So I don't know if they bought the bedroom set or not, or if they're still in disagreement over it. 
Uh, Spasticville, Kansas, is petitioning the U.S. Geological Survey to have the city's name changed to Trails End. They've collected the proper amount of signatures and sent them with an accompanying form to change the name. It could take months before researchers analyze the proposal and send it to the U.S. Board of Geographic Names for a decision. So I guess you can do this with any town. Our representatives of uh, Spasticville <laughs> told the... Uh, really? Apparently, accounts vary on how it got its name. Some theorized it was named for a home for the mentally handicapped that used to be located in, in the area. In Spasticville. <laughs> I'm sorry. She was born all wrong. Billy, you behave yourself. <laughs> you're going straight to Spasticville. The Simpsons are going to Spasticville. All right. Let's try this again. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Somebody, yeah, I just got an email from somebody who said that we're being mean to all the callers today. Not I think, all of them. No, not all of them. Just the ones who deserve it. Kristen, I think, really nailed it when she said that there is something weird in the air today. I think there are days when, uh, as Sarah has noted from time to time, there are days uh, when we come in and we uh, we are weird or we're in some sort of strange mood. And then there are days where, where the callers just seem to be either way too amped up or unable to sort of uh, – everything they say takes like – five or six or eight times longer than really like is actually necessary. I think today is a day where both of those things are happening. I think we're all a little off kilter here, and I think all of the callers are ever so slightly nutty today. So, Which is fine. We're just trying to move things along in an efficient <laughs> clip. All right, hello. Hi. Hi, how's it going? What's up? Hey, uh, well, I have to apologize to Kristen off the bat because uh, it's a... It's, it's a pot story, story, isn't it? Yeah, I've had a little yeah. bit of a break, so I think I can handle it. All right, go ahead. Okay. Well, when I was 13, I had braces, and like most people back then, they pulled teeth in order to move your other teeth around. And the now, whole concept of moving your teeth around is a little unnerving to begin with. Very unpleasant to deal with. When, you're, when your <laughs> teeth seem like they ought to really be anchored there and sort of immobile. I don't want teeth that move around. I mean, really, if I was given the option, I'd like teeth that just stayed where they were. Uh, me too, but uh, I somehow got a popcorn kernel in the hole where a molar was. <laughs> molar, yes. <laughs> And I didn't realize it because my mouth always hurt because our <laughs> was ex. He learned his trade in the Navy, so he wasn't actually gentle. He just ripped your mouth open and pulled wires to make everything. Drink tight. this whiskey and <laughs> jump on this. Bite down on this rag. <laughs> yeah, real, truly. We're gonna have to saw right through the bone, kid. I'm sorry. It's all gonna come off. He used to have those wire things. He used to just take the pliers and twist them up really tight and say, there you go, buck up, you'll be fine. <laughs> this should be a man. All orthodontists are like that, though. Well, you know, because yeah. you had braces. Oh, until yeah, I got mine about a year ago. last year, yeah. So and, uh, you'd have to go in and get them, like, tightened and, and uh -huh. whatnot. I bet that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I had eight teeth pulled before I even got them on. See, that doesn't yeah. even, uh, that's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, is it now, please, I'm not trying to say that you're defective, but is it just that, like, your mouth was too small? Yeah, pretty much. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. So God just designed your mouth not to be able to hold the number of teeth that he gave you. Yeah. I had all the teeth, and then the man took them away. <laughs> the, man, the mean man took my teeth. I'll take creepiest things you could possibly hear your child say for a thousand. The man took my teeth. Well, luckily I was like 20 when I wow. got them on, but... I think it's uh, our friend uh, uh, Joni DeRoshi. I, I forget if she has more tooth, more tooth. I <laughs> <laughs> guy from earlier is rubbing off. Ibuprofen. <laughs> um, wow. God, is it Friday? Yes. I'm not. Yes. I. You know, we really do like this job and all, but Jesus, some days you just need to. Some days the week just needs to be over. Um, but I, I think it's because the, the average person has 32 teeth, and I think it's, she either has like way more or way fewer. I forget. I think it's that she has fewer. She only has like 20 teeth or something. My orthodontist was telling me about a guy who actually had like six wisdom teeth. Oh. Yeah. I can't even. Yeah. And that's a product of evolution. So he had to pull how many of your teeth, sir? 
Um, they pulled like six. And, I mean, they pulled six, and that's like the good news. Well, there is no good news. That's the bad news, worst news. Because they pulled six teeth, and then, and only then, could they actually start on the braces. Yeah. How fun for you. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, before the holes healed up, a popcorn, unpopped popcorn kernel got in one of them. Ah. Uh. And I didn't realize, you know, that it was there because, you know, my mouth always hurt. And sure. then about three weeks later, this lump started in my jaw. And uh, I go back to the orthodontist, and he goes, oh, yeah, it looks like you had a little swelling, no big thing. About a month and a half later, when I couldn't talk anymore, I finally made it back <laughs> into the dentist. When, and, uh, your head was, when your head was the size of a dirigible? Yeah. I, I mean, my mom thought I got bit by a spider or something. Yeah. And, and so uh, in the process of that, they uh, did the whole, uh, well, let's feel around with a sharp object. Oh, oh. And it did the same thing. It's uh, it's a uh, light, milky substance. Okay. But, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you. But, you know, the worst part of it was... No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> wait, have we... I think we've heard <laughs> Wait, hold on. When we say thank you, that I, doesn't mean... Wait, oh, continue on. I have to ask this question. Improbably, are you saying we have not yet gotten to the worst part? Uh, No. Because now I almost wonder what the worst part. Let's just. We need to save it for the Christmas show. <laughs> I mean, what could possibly. When Tim is far away. What could possibly be worse than what we've already heard? Don't let me ask you this. Don't reveal it yet. Okay. But I'm just wondering aloud of all of the many, many, many horrific things that we've already heard described here, both today yeah. in general and in this call, what could possibly be worse? Sharp objects poking around in your jaw to find a popcorn kernel. All right. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. God bless you, sir. <laughs> you too. Thank Bye. you. All right. Wow. My backup plan was to just to take the rest of his call off the air and then decide whether or not it was too horrible to be aired. Jesus, God. This guy says, Rick, I think you'll find the callers are a little crazy today because they're forced to speak to Timmy Ryan before they manage to get through to you. That is true. That's enough to put anybody in a bad mood. Uh, yeah, this is this is the email. The, the email from the guy that said that uh, that we slash I were being uh, were being obnoxious. He says, um, "Where's the email?" He says, "Rick, I have a great idea to secure your listening audience. Be a complete ass to all of your callers." <laughs> it says, it "Seems to be your strategy today. Quit being such a pompous f, dick." All right. So sorry. Jesus. All right. It is just one of those days. There's a crazy in the air. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, what's up, Rick? What is up, sir? Hey, I have a little spider observation. Um, when I was a little kid, like maybe six or seven, and maybe even eight, uh-huh. my dad would always watch those Discovery Channel things, you know, the one that has the animals ripping each other open, showing all the innards <laughs> and all that stuff. Yes, that so one. I, I remember I, that one. Yeah, I had a fun childhood. Anyway, I remember this one show specifically about spiders, and... The one that scared me the most was that wolf spider. I don't, I can't oh, remember. Oh, yeah, no, those are all over Washington State. We had those growing up. I got bit by one. Really? They look like tiny miniature tarantulas. Yeah, and they're, they're actually related to the brown recluse. I didn't think they bit. I thought wolf spiders were harmless. That's what uh, they always told me growing up. They lied. Maybe, maybe my parents were just trying to get me killed. No, 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 they love children. I've been on the antibiotics for three weeks because of it. You put a little leash onto it and carry it around. <laughs> Give it a home in your pants. Anything that hisses oh, wow. can't be friendly. <laughs> in, in spiders as in life, that is good advice. Well, anyway, I, I don't know if I'm talking about the same one, the wolf spider. Anyway, so what this spider was did was it bit you and your flesh just started rotting off. <laughs> that, that. It might have been a brown recluse. They are related. 
<laughs> and oh, that's what yeah. happens with the brown recluse. <laughs> yeah, so like it, they just bite you, and then you start rotting from the inside <laughs> out. And they just have to chop your entire arm off. Wait, that and, didn't happen to you, did it? Oh. No. Okay. Well, no, was, it did not. Really. I was just going to say, because we were laughing the whole time, and I didn't. And Rick, that's why I only have hooks. You and know? by we, Rick meant him. <laughs> I just love yeah. the phrase, it bits you, and then you just rot from the inside out. Yeah. Wow. How did and we get. Can I, can I back up for a second, sir? What is your name? Um, my name's Jaime, but you might remember me as the sad MySpace guy. You probably don't, but what can I say? Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, how did we get onto the issue of spiders today? Does anybody remember? Someone talked about a brown recluse. But I don't yeah. know why. It seems like we were already on the oh, issue of arachnid I, attack. I remember it was the guy that, that emailed you the video of the... Oh, that's right, because we were talking about Richie being filled with pus, uh, like some sort of spongy pinata. And, this whole uh, show's been filled with disgustingness all day. This whole show is filled with pus. All right, thank you, sir. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. One second. Uh, you know, uh, about a week or so ago, <laughs> it, um, you guys got that... Story about the no armed man driving that truck yes. with a $16 ticket. Uh huh. You do realize that $16 over there is like 100,000 yen or something, and that's probably his entire life savings. Right? I suppose. I was just fascinated by the idea that they had a set fine for driving with no hands. That yeah, that was like that in the ticket awesome. book, right like next. It was a regular occurrence. Seriously, right next to like no left turn signal. All right. Oh, wow. Thank you, my right. Have a good weekend. Peace out. All right, there you go. And these are the colors that Richie usually screens out. <laughs> there's so no, we can thank Timmy Ryan no screening for the today. colors on today's program. <laughs> oh, good God. Here's Tim Riley. So I'm doing more research to find out exactly where Spasticville, Kansas is. <laughs> a short drive north. This is a blogger went right there. Right next to Tardonia. Apparently... There's almost nothing, no signs, no welcome to Spasticville. Oh, no mention of it at any size whatsoever. Welcome to Spasticville! Ah! There is a cluster of trashy old homes and trashy old cars out front. Another disappointment. However, I did visit a bookstore in Spasticville at their factory outlet strip and purchased a copy of Naked Pictures of Famous People for Five Bucks. Not a total loss. I want to go on a field trip to Spasticville. I want to have a translator that's in Spasticville, just so we can say that we're broadcasting there. Broadcasting to Portland, Vancouver, and Spasticville. Oh, can you, is Spasticville, now did you say it's like a township, or is it like a real, uh, like an actual city? Apparently it's a real town. Can I, can I buy goods from, that say, city of Spasticville, like a patch it for my, uh... It doesn't say that they are for that. Is there a Spasticville police department? Because then I could buy some sort of a uh, thing to go with my Cosmopolis police Apparently patch. they're, they're not very web savvy. <laughs> <laughs> because they just keep pounding their faces into the keyboard over and over again and screaming. Have you got that web page done? Ah! I'm sorry, it's the cheapest jokes. I'm sorry. I'm not that sorry. <laughs> spastic. Is that one word, Tim, or is there a hyphen in Spasticville? No, it's it's one whole word. Yeah. Spastic. Is there a, a V-I-L-L-E? Yes. Spasticville, Kansas. Sp- Spasticville, Kansas. Here we go. Spasticville is part of Sedgwick County. Uh, let's see. I'm looking to see if there's a... They've asked... They, I got one that says, Spasticville, Kansas, seeks name change. No, yes. really? Yes. We already read that. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see. Oh, wait, here we go. Here's a, uh, let's see. Here's a, a MySpace entry from, uh, Marie, spelled M-A-R-E-E. She is a 24-year-old. Uh, she lives in Spasticville. All right. Um, let's see. Map of Spasticville. I bet they're getting all kinds of kooky radio calls this week. <laughs> Probably. Spasticville. Hold on, Spasticville. Let me put in police. 
I'd be interested. Like I said, I could put it right next to all my Cosmopolis garbage. They might not have a policeman. (laughs) (laughs) If he just... He might be running around the town screaming. I was just going to say, he just shoots everybody on sight. (laughs) Just an uncontrollable trigger finger. I, I guess there, there's a book that does mention Spastikville, a travel book entitled Passing Gas. <laughs> really? <laughs> How sad if your town is only mentioned in a book called Passing Gas. Wow. Well, at least somebody put some thought Spastikville into it. Spastikville is on the map. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, the only results I'm getting here uh, are about how Spastikville uh, wants to... Uh, you know, wants to change their name. Oh wait, home alone. Yeah, they're not even they they're not even on the World Wide Web. Okay, this might be something else. Let's see. Um, Spastikville. I've been looking for for days. I can't find anything about it really. No, no, I got nothing. Well, that's too bad. You should make to buy a the book Spastikville T-shirt yes. or something, right? Seriously, no. They they I've seen they ought to be. I think they're missing out on some marketing money. They could be rather. There's merchandising they could be doing right now. At least for you. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Um, I, By the way, but hold on. As we go through this call, as we go through this call, this call may be monitored for quality assurance. Uh, <laughs> your call is important to us. At the end of the call, uh, we're going to ask you to take a little survey and rank how politely you were treated and with what level of respect your call, uh, you know, was dealt uh, so that, uh, you know, we can placate people <laughs> that everybody's being mean today. Go ahead, sir. All right. Uh, I have a painful story that uh, I think can top everybody else's, but I do have to disclose that uh, it involves the piercing of my favorite appendage. Okay. And I, I'll promise to keep it clean. This is uh, piercing uh, the octagon, as Brian Fantana would say. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so I went in and uh, I got this piercing done. It was done on a bet with a friend of mine who claimed that uh, he was going to go get his done. Now, when you got this piercing done, uh, did you pierce uh, – how do I put this? Did you Did you pierce – uh, did you pierce the uh, 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 um, the siding or the roof? Uh, well, that doesn't make any sense, I guess. <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim just narrowed his eyes and looked at me really quizzically. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. I'm sorry. Did I, you... I, I pierced the top of the pool cue. Let's put it that the way. The top of the pool cue. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so I just got the beans above the franks. Okay, yes, top of the top of the pool. Did you cube. put the liner yeah. over the pool? <laughs> it's the fox is in the hen house. The fat man has landed. So I got this done, and uh, I was told by the uh, gentleman who pierced me that you got to wait uh, four to six weeks before engaging in any activity. All uh-huh. right, fair enough. Uh, so I'm waiting during this time. Six weeks pass. I have to go into the shop because the barbell that they used to uh, pierce it, the ends weren't long enough, uh-huh. and the. Uh, the balls on the end were coming through the piercing. I had to go into the shop and uh, ask for bigger balls um, for the barbell. Of course, Uh, yes. So uh, once he changed those out, I asked him uh, if I'm good to go, meaning that I can engage in activities. Engage in biblical uh, activities. Yes, and I swear to you on anything you ask me to that he said yes. Well, cut to two (laughs) days later... uh, I call my ex-girlfriend because I had nothing better to do. And one thing leads to another. Um, We're at my parents' house, and uh, we start engaging in biblical activities. It rips out. Uh, Now, here's what I – let me ask. Okay, because there's more. Of course, there's always more. That's the thing we've learned today. As soon as it with Rick, and then they launched it, and I was up to my ankles in blood. And then we think that's the end of the story. And then the guy's like, and then they let the dogs into the room. So 
Let me ask you this. Okay. Be, this, is, this is a medical issue. We are discussing yeah. this medically here as part of the news segment on KCMD, a news talk radio station operating in the public interest, convenience, and necessity is mandated by the FCC. Here's my question. When okay. you say it ripped out, now those, those little uh, balls they put on the end of the barbell, those aren't sharp. They don't have edges on them. No. So it had to catch on something. Yeah. On what did it catch, if you can tell me? Her, her pelvic bone. Okay. Of all the answers you could have given me, I really honestly didn't predict that that would be well, it. I was running for, like, my pants. No, 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 no. What kind of pelvic bones does she have? Are they made of honeycomb? No, I, I don't know that was her pelvic bones. It was on the way back out. <laughs> oh, I see. So this is like a do not back up severe tire damage yeah. kind of a thing, where yeah, uh, so, where roaches check in, but they better not try to check out. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, I go running into the other room, bleeding profusely, and uh, once I regain <laughs> not consciousness, but you know, rational thinking uh -huh. as much as anyone can in that situation, uh, I then proceed to ask her, "Where's the barbell?" And she made the greatest face in the history of all faces. Yeah. Uh, when we started to theorize that uh, she might still have it. Might still have it. Yeah. Okay. Best show ever. Thank you, sir. Oh, wait. How, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how politely would you say you were treated during the course of this phone call? Yeah, you treated me very well, but I, I will say this. The reason that you've gotten so many of these painful story phone calls is probably because you have been unnecessarily mean to the callers. <laughs> and so they are punishing us right back. It is sort of your karmic retribution today, sir. Excellent. All right. Thank you. I have not you. done anything wrong. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, you're unwittingly subject to this, unfortunately. And for that, I apologize. You're, but, Kristen, uh, you're collateral damage, you and Tim. You're Thanks, paying Rick. it forward. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Jesus. It doesn't it seem like we do have one of these shows about every three months where people just want to call up and talk Even about it. whenever I want fill in. And then I inadvertently shot myself in the eye with a nail gun. Rick, the end. All right. Here's Tim Riley. They'll come more, then we'll take a break. Well, the man who says his home was left in a shambles after the taping of Brett Michaels' VH1 reality series is now adding the poison front band to a lawsuit filed against the producers of Rock of Love. Uh, this fellow claims his Encino Mansion was left with at least $380,000 worth of damage after Mindless Entertainment promised to take care of the $9 million tax. Always let a company called Mindless Entertainment have control of your house. Mm -hmm. uh, he said after returning home after two months of filming, he found holes in the walls and the ceiling, dead plants and grass, doors removed from the hinges, and the interior of the home had to be repainted. In the original lawsuit, he accused Mindless Entertainment <laughs> of breach of contract fraud negligent, among other things. Uh, then, uh, this week he added Michaels to the complaint, accusing the 45-year-old rocker of intentional destruction of property. Neither Michaels nor Mindless will comment. <laughs> By the way, Rick, Spasticville needs to be used anywhere one would normally use the word spastic. Like, you know, my colon is totally Spasticville. Now, Spasticville is entering permanent lexicon of phrases to be used to describe weird or twitchy people. E.g., the guy is 100% Spasticville and is currently a 67 on the Gump scale. All right, duly noted, sir. We'll add Spasticville to Gump scale. Uh, somebody knows that there is, by the way, a town called Gas, Kansas. And he notes my mother-in-law would always make the same lame joke as she drove by the town. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a man beat up his family going home after a funeral. The 20-year-old Illinois man spent, uh, sent several family members to the hospital after he became violent while his family was driving home from a funeral. It began with the man's aunt scolded him for saying abusive things to his relatives, prompting him to sock her in the face. <laughs> the man's mother pulled the car over wow. when her son and his uh, aunt's boyfriend began fighting in the car. 
When the fighting eventually ended, two brothers drove away with their mother. The aunt and her sister ran from the scene because the 20-year-old son had several warrants out and was on parole, and she didn't want him to be picked up by police. That's quite a family. The aunt, the boyfriend of the niece, reportedly uh, went to the hospital for treatment of minor wounds. <laughs> wounds. I do love the phrase, socked in the face, as opposed to punch. Punch is sort of brutal. When somebody gets socked in the face, that's sort of comical. That's kind of a, it's like a whimsical sort of punching. Uh, all right. Um. Okay, uh, we've got... Uh, well, let me just take this. We'll just take this and see how it works out. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. About what are you calling? Uh, this is on screen, so I will leave this up to you. I have a horrific uh, dental story about my grandmother. Is your grandmother still with us? No. Hmm. I don't. I actually. I asked that. Now I realize that don't makes. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Worse. Well, it happened in the twenties in Missouri. <laughs> You're not. The tote board is not going up. Um, so on the way to Spastikville. <laughs> this happened to her. Yes. Is it in any way amusing to him? <laughs> to you? To me? Yeah. In the sense that it didn't happen to me yet. <laughs> in the sense that it happened to somebody else. Yeah. Now let me ask you this: A, if we say no. Uh, will you take? See now, I'm all hypersensitive that we're not being nice enough to the callers. If if I say no, are you going to take offense? And B, do you have maybe an alternate observation to make? Doesn't even have to be about dental work. Could be an observation about Kelly LeBrock. Uh, no. Okay, so but, uh, I won't be offended. I'll just try again another day with it. Why don't you, you just try to sneak it on someday when we're talking about the caucus system? Yes. Yeah, I think we might uh, we might pass on further dental stories. Oh, it's really good though. <laughs> See why you got to do that. What? Let me ask you this. What are the What are the elements of the story? Is it really 140? Yeah, what are the What are the elements of the story, sir? A very long syringe and a drunken uh, dentist. Is this the anesthetic syringe? Yes. It. He was drunk and it slipped and snapped off down her throat. Oh! I think we've suddenly gotten far into the story. Okay. So, well, just give us give us sort of a shorter version of it. Uh, he was drunk and giving her an anesthetic and slipped and jabbed her in the back of the throat with it, and when he was trying to pull it out, he snapped it off. <laughs> That's really awful. Tim has actually just taken his headphones off of his ears. Um, <laughs> so how did he get that out? Uh, probably shoe horse pliers or something back then. <laughs> whatever whatever sure. it is they use then, tongs of some yeah. kind. I mean, it was, you know, he was probably a barber on the side. So. <laughs> He's one of those guys that does either, he'll either take out your appendix or shoe your horse, kind of depending on whatever you need. Exactly. All right. Thank you, sir. Hey, quick, one quick thing. Uh, I dropped off that uh, Hanna-Barbera <laughs> CD. Yes, you, uh, uh, well, which one? Because I got two. I got a double disc and I got a regular disc. Uh, the one with the sound effects and all the uh, themes on Yes, it. yes, I do have yes. that. I was just wondering if uh, you might be done with that. Yeah, I am indeed. Uh, like Monday, if you want to swing by, or, and it's Sunday after Monday, I'll leave it at the front for you. Check. All right, thank you. Tim Riley's God. Bye. All right. Hi, Tim. How you doing over there? Oh, fine, thank you. <laughs> Is that largely because you just quit listening at some point? No, I'm uh, passively listening. <laughs> Thinking about, like, a grocery list you have to make later? Yes. Uh, hi, Kristen. Hi. How you doing? You glad you're filling in today? Oh, yeah. ecstatic. Uh, all right, well, this is Jim Roop. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. Singing on radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Happy Friday how, to you. How are you, sir? Uh, what are, we, are you talking about uh, Kelly LeBrock earlier? Well, the guy called in. I don't want to give you the whole backstory. Richie Bristol's out with a horrific dental ailment, and so somehow 
it turned into nothing but A, stories of dental mishap and horror, or B, and I don't know how this happened, stories about people being savagely attacked by weird insects. And I don't really know how that happened today. It just sort of occurred. So, anywho, it, the last guy called up, and we thought that we might have reached our limit on bad dental stories, and so we gave the guy the option. I said, "Now look, are you going to be?" And then, and then, and then somebody else. Uh, we got some some guy emailed some other. You're being like a you're being a jerk, and he said, "I would see we were being rude to the callers today." And so then I felt compelled to ask for the guy. Well, if you don't tell the story, uh, you know, like, do you have an alternate story? And I said, it "Doesn't even have to be about dental work. It could be about, for example, Kelly LeBrock." Because, you know, who doesn't like Kelly LeBrock? There you go. So there you go. He went ahead with the dental story, and boy, do I regret that. So how's life, Brother Howard? Things? Uh, things are good. Fantastic. So is it – wait, are, now are you going to have to – are you going to have to go through this whole uh, rigmarole with the Phil Spector thing, like from scratch all over again? Looks that way. Yeah. Lucky you. There's going to be a retrial. You know, there's a pretrial hearing in, in May. Spector's tried a couple of times to get rid of this judge who was in the first trial. Uh, didn't do it. Uh, uh, an appellate court refused to even hear the issue today. So it looks like uh, Judge Paul Fiddler will be the judge on the retrial. So it's either going to be long and boring or it's going to be real quick. Uh. There will be no in-between. And so this is – and they have to go through the whole thing, though, of like taking another jury? Jury selection, and... the whole friggin' thing. Yeah. Jesus. Well. Well, I, I suppose... could render a verdict right now. Anybody <laughs> would care I... to listen. To would that. that verdict be guilty but crazy? Oh, it would just be guilty. Period. I mean, the, it does. I, I, he doesn't even have to go to jail, as far as I'm concerned. Just lock him in the castle and leave him there. Well, no because he doesn't, and he doesn't really leave the house most of the time anyway, no, right? He, uh, no. He just sort of, uh, he just sort of spends all his days. It's... Let's just all admit that he did it just to give closure to Clarkson's family. And then everybody can go home. The only really good thing about there being another Spectre trial is we'll get to uh, do like a hair watch every day to kind of see what wig he's showing up with. Yeah, he did get boring, you know, halfway through the trial. He just took that, you know, Peter Tork wig and wore that the whole time. And, Peter Tork, good reference. You know, didn't give any, uh, thank you, didn't give us any anything to talk about. I guess he got tired of hearing about it. His wife surely got tired of hearing about it. Phil Spector does seem like a guy that is a, a flight risk, though, because A, he's nuts, and B, he's got money, uh, and C, I mean, he must know that even if he didn't kill this person, it's a matter of time till he shoots somebody else. I mean, let's be honest. He's fired off a weapon, I don't know how many times, man. He, you know, even John Lennon was talking about one time how he shot around into a ceiling during a recording session because no one would shut up or something. Yeah. I don't remember exactly why, but uh, if he's a flight risk, why hasn't he left already? Yeah, I'll um... take him to the airport. <laughs> just to get rid, just to get rid of him. Look, friend, here you go. Here's the ticket. Get out. Super shuttle. <laughs> Leave. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Uh, and there's, there's something else going on. I don't remember what it was at this point. But uh, there's the uh, oh, there's all, there's all kinds of things going on. There's the Pelicano trial. Yeah. Hey, what a weird guy, man. He he's representing himself, right? So we're waiting for the, his defense to start. He called one witness, an FBI agent who was in charge of his investigation. His whole defense lasted an hour. Well, and and I know that they've uh, well, they dropped a bunch of crap, right? Uh, they dropped 35. He he and the co-defendants were facing some 107 charges. They dropped 35 of them because they were kind of redundant, and some uh, alleged victims wouldn't appear. 
but there's still 65, 63, 65 charges. I was going to say, when you're facing 107 charges of anything. You like, dropped 35, so what? Yeah, I mean, really, there's no, that's really? like when, you know, that's like, you know, Walter Hudson dropping down to 800 pounds. <laughs> I mean, really, so? Thank you, now drive through. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, Okay, uh, big weekend for you ahead, Jim Roop. It's going to be hot, man. I might even get in the poo this weekend, you know? Get that. Oh, the pool. Yeah, sorry, that's what my old man used to always say. All right. Go get in the poo. All right. You want that to be... wasn't a pool, that was a lake in the... You want to be careful how you use the phrase, get in the poo, sir. That's you, true. Um, yeah, all right. True. I should not use that. All right, well, uh, best to uh, Mrs. Roop and all the little Roops. And, oh, that's uh... very nice of you. All right, we will uh, talk to you next week, my friend. Where's Sarah? Uh, Sarah is in Las Vegas today. Vegas today, tomorrow, and Sunday back uh, Monday morning. So it's uh, so 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 Richie's at home on Vicodin and Sarah's uh, at the airport on vodka. So it's a good day to be them, I guess. <laughs> All right, have a good weekend, take brother. Care, man. There you go, Jim Roof, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, we haven't taken a break in like five hours, so we're gonna take a break here. We'll come back more from Tim Riley. Uh, today's top five. Timmy Ryan's top five 80s songs uh, to which you want to drive along uh, during a sunny day. Uh, Scott Daly coming up later on from Film Fever Radio. Like us at 3. And don't forget, coming up tonight at 7 o'clock, the final Don and Mike show. Don Geronimo retires tonight. On Monday, it becomes the Mike O'Meara show. Back after this. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. I say this a lot, but it honestly doesn't seem like it could be 2 o'clock already. Doesn't it seem like we just started today's program? It did. Maybe we should start it over. <laughs> I don't know if we want to put that to a vote. Uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. From the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Vote to replace us all with the news bot. That does sound like fun. The Marion County Courthouse has been evacuated due to a bomb threat. That's Marion County only. Well, they had a big gathering of news directors at a convention, and 150 attended. The head speaker said, We're not relevant the way we used to be because viewers don't need television anymore. He proved his point when only a handful of people in the audience of around 150 television professionals raised their hand when asked if anybody watched television news anymore. Wait, where was this at? A news director's convention. <laughs> what a sad, <laughs> what a sad thing that is. So if you watch television news, raise your hand out of a hundred people. Not more than a handful. Well, that. I mean, really, it, who goes home and no, 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 I got to make it home by six o'clock. I can't miss the NBC evening news or whatever the hell it is. Really, no, it's like asking how many people. i got to sit out there in the front porch and wait for the Oregonian to come by every day so that I can be informed about the day's events. I wish the Oregonian would stop throwing that free paper on my lawn every week. <laughs> you should... It goes straight to the barrel. <laughs> in one fluid motion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, I... It know, always comes right after I clean everything up. It's immaculate, and then the guy comes by, and, throw, and it's always in the plastic wrapper. I And I never know that it's there until I come out of the front door in the morning and I trip on it, walking at the front door of the house, because mm -hmm. it's always in a plastic bag set right on the front porch. So yep, The only thing to be found in the Oregonian that you can't find anywhere else is Peter Carlin. No, that is true, but, you know, but he's not it. even there right now. I know, so I read the Oregonian. No. <laughs> and we're done. Uh, I got a great email from Peter, actually. Um, he spent, it was either, well, 
what's today, Friday, so Wednesday, he walked through the studios of Abbey Road. Oh. He sent me this great email. He's like, hey, I just walked on, you know, I walked all the way through the Abbey Road studios just now. He said, just, just moments ago, I was in the studio where, you know, the Beatles laid down all of their, you know, all their songs. And so it's, uh, he's over there doing that research for the McCartney book, which is, which is pretty fantastic. Um, I mean, uh, that's the only thing in the Oregon you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, and you can't even find it there now. So it's a bit of a wash. So, you know, people have newspaper fatigue, Tim. That's what that's all about. I guess that, yes. that, that must be it. Uh, well, uh, a butcher, a butcher, rather, <laughs> a butcher, <laughs> has been banned from uh, chopping his meat early in the morning. He's an outraged butcher. He says he might have to move his business because the authorities ordered him to stop chopping his meat before 8 o'clock in the morning because he's too noisy. Keep your hands off your meat. Oh, Brian God. Clapton said uh, he is the last English-style butcher around in East London. He's been ordered by city officials to stop chopping his meat in the morning because it's disturbing the neighbors. Uh, the order will force him to leave the business that he has owned for 13 years. So uh, he's been ordered to pay, pay for soundproofing his building but refused, saying... Uh, the city wouldn't have given him a butcher license if he was too loud. Butcher. I barely knew her. What kind of uh, soundproofing, uh, what kind of meat chopping are you doing if you need to soundproof your house? I mean, is I the meat know. coming from cheerleaders or something? Well, whatever. There's some way of doing it. I don't need it myself, so I don't, know. I don't care. Back on that. <laughs> Listen to that. That is the sort of blunt honesty that you're going to get. Tim, that's why That's why at a news director's convention when they say, do you listen to Tim Riley, all hands would go up. I hope so. That's the kind of blunt, straightforward, plain-spoken honesty that you only get on this program. I don't have time for a news director's convention. <laughs> because I'm actually working. Because <laughs> you have a job. <laughs> Other things you don't have time. It's the same reason you don't have time to post on PDX Radio. <laughs> because you're employed. Oh, Jesus. All we right. need distractions to talk a lot after every record. <laughs> That'll make people throw their iPods away. Why, I remember back in 1975 when everybody sounded alike. We used to stand outside and smoke cigarettes and collect 80000 a year. Oh, how I long for those days. I don't know what's become of this business. I'm thinking we've struck a nerve. Well, I'm <laughs> stating the truth. Had I been at the news director's convention, I might have brought that point up, too. We're here doing a radio program that people actually listen to. <laughs> Try to find this anywhere else. Fair, fair enough. You know what? I was back on that Katie Couric thing for a second. The... Oh, that's going way back. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's been from a previous life. Yeah, that does feel like ages ago. <laughs> it was only two hours ago. A tooth grinding eternity. Um, but you were talking about that news director's convention, and when you realized that Katie Couric was paid $20 million for that gig, for a show that, look, I'm a proud member of the CBS family, but no one watches it. No. I mean, no one watches it. And so... I think when the history of television news and broadcasting and whatever is written, I mean, they're going to note that, that Katie Couric thing. That's the end of there. She's the last person that will ever be paid that much, ever. I mean, there's no one who's ever going to get that deal again. She's the last one. It's sort of like how I read this article the other day about the band R.E.M., and they were talking about how R.E.M. got paid $80 million. That last time that R.E.M. renegotiated their deal with Warner Brothers Records, Warner Brothers paid R.E.M. an $80 million contract. And that was, I think, right after they'd done Automatic for the People. or So they had some big success. And our, Warner Brothers, I don't know, worth their weight in gold. Let's give Michael Stipe and his friends $80 million. And, of course, every record since then had sold less than the one before. I mean, every single R.E.M. record, the sales have, like, gone in half. And it's like that thing in the boardroom where the guy's showing the graph paper and the red line is just going to the floor. Um, 
you know, especially to an alternative band that has, I mean, R.E.M.'s, you know, popular, but it's still it's still a large niche band. I mean, it's a popular niche band, but it's a niche band. Nobody's ever going to get paid $80 million again because of them. It's their fault. They, they broke it. Um, so it is with Katie Couric. I mean, that's the reason why nobody will ever make decent money in that gig again, because they're going to be paying that off uh, out of their ass for the rest of their life. So. And poor Walter Cronkite. He retired 30 years ago and has spent more time retired than he actually did work. He probably wondered, how, how did I manage to live this long? <laughs> I have had that same thought, too, that he, if it's somebody goes, well, I figure I'm going to die, so I might as well. And then he just goes home and sits. And I just... like, He wakes up every morning. I'm still here. Now what do I do? I've already done a puzzle. <laughs> Maybe I'll gum some wheat and do today's jumble. Uh, I I do picture him just sort of sitting in a chair, staring blankly to walk. Like, oh my God, not another day! <laughs> Lord, take me, please. What have I done? <laughs> any moment now. No. De I'm... Death's sweet embrace will come for. Damn. <laughs> and, then, and then it's like in my head, it's the time-lapse photography. Like in school when they show the life cycle of a plant. Except it's just Walter Cronkite sitting there as like the room gets all light and then dark as the moon comes. And just, well, maybe tonight. And then he has two assistants just to carry his eyebrows. <laughs> well, I think I'm in the <laughs> What? Jesus. You're really right about that too. Since Cronkite retired, we've already we've now gone through two anchors. Yeah. We've gone all the way through Rather. And now all the way through Katie Couric, her hey, tenure. What is Walter Cronkite doing <laughs> this very minute? I don't know. And can I tell you, I met him, Jesus, a, a decade ago, and he seemed, I mean, he, he was like a talking to a bowl of dried fruit. I mean, it really, he looked like Yoda. I mean, and that was, I'm not trying to knock Walter Cronkite. I mean, he's old. I mean, there must be, is there something in the CBS newsman genes that they just can't be killed? I mean, they just live forever. Yeah. Because, and if you think about it, all the really old news guys are with CBS. I mean, Cronkite, uh, Mike Wallace is still alive. And, I mean, Mike Wallace just did another one of those things. Mike Wallace, I'm, I'm proud to sign on for a nine-year contract doing special assignments. For, you're 170 years old. Uh, and see also Andy Rooney. So, anyway... <laughs> You're right. He must have just figured any day he was going to snuff it. No, I might as well quit now. He chose poorly. Jesus. It'd be funny. if CBS ought to offer him the gig and just see if he'd take it. You know what I mean? Walter, come back. Oh, man. Um, can I just tell you, though, and I do mean this in all sincerity, when I met him, though, he still had the... Uh, you could, sometimes you, could, you meet an old guy, and you can tell when they're kind of faking it because they don't really know what's going on. And you can tell when an old guy still has it. He's still sharp inside, knows what's going on. Walter Cronkite, man, still just as quick as they get, as they come. Uh, he, he had every single bit of his faculty That's still with him. That's not going to be me when I'm old. Oh, no. no. No, it's not me now. I don't have that luck. I'm 35, and I can <laughs> barely remember how to tie my shoes some days. <laughs> You've heard me. I come, just, uh, what, I'm, I'm, on Tuesday or Wednesday, I sat and wasted 10 minutes of Lisa Desjardins' life telling her a story that I apparently told her exactly the same way the previous Friday. Like, <laughs> like awesome. le less than a week before, like, she let me patiently get to the end of this long end, and she goes, Rick, I hate to, you know, you told me this exact same story the same way three days ago. <laughs> and, and I mean, well, how are you supposed to respond to that? I, I'm sorry. You know, just put me in the rubber pants. <laughs> All right, we should take a break. It's after, it's after two. <laughs> really? That is sweet. That's music to my ears. I've never been so glad to hear that. 
finish line is in sight, Rick. Back after this with Scott Daly and Timmy Ryan's top five songs to listen to on a warm summer day. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program, kids. Here's the Beastie Boys. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. That's all I had. Hello. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. It is Friday, uh, less than an hour away from Tom Likas. I think it's Flash Friday. I know he delayed it this year. Normally he does it after the time change or, you know, the daylight savings thing or whatever. Hey, let me ask you this. Here's a question. When somebody says, are you on daylight savings time? You know, because you'll say, like, what time are we doing the interview? They'll go, well... Yeah, we're doing the interview, interview at 5 p.m., like daylight savings time or standard time. Do you ever know when we're in daylight savings time and when we're not? No, I'm horribly confused. I never know that. when it, When are you not in daylight savings time. Is it before you fall back or is it before you spring ahead? I have no idea. That's one of those things that I see written down sometimes and I realize I don't understand how the it works. The only thing I know about that is fall back, spring ahead. Yeah, that's it. All right. Hello, Timmy Ryan. Hello, Rick. I'm sorry. We'll get to that. I think it's Mike 4. Try that. No, one, two, three. Hello. There we go. We're on. Hello, Rick Emerson. Hi, Tim. Uh, Timmy Ryan, how are oh, you doing today? I'm good, man. Sorry about that. I was waiting for you to the mic. So when did uh, when did you hear from Richie that he would not be in today? I got a text message. Well, here's the thing. Usually I turn my phone off at night, so uh-huh. I'm not awoken by Richie when he's drunk and he's calling me. Does that happen a lot? Yeah. yeah. Really? I, I'm call, I call it the Richie feature, but because I knew there was a possibility he may, might not be in today. What kinds of things does he call uh, with when he's drunk? Well, I, I get a lot of drunken text messages from him, and then, like, which is, dude, what's going on? What or what going on? Right. It's always what going. What on. what up? Yeah, exactly. And it's like W A T. Yeah. Yeah. Or he'll call me, or sometimes like Adam will call me drunk, like he has been the last few nights. And so I needed to get some sleep. I like how you position yourself as the stable member of the pimp squad. I don't know those guys who just nag me all day in, day out, all kinds of inanity. Well, it's true. Okay. All right. So, so so anyway, I left my phone on last night, and I I heard this text messaging, like four text messages, dude, can't come in, hurting too much, and so I said I'll I'll step up. All right. So he uh, so thanks to you, uh, we are able to uh, to move forward today right. as a fully functional radio program. Yeah, he said he might actually have to go into surgery. Really? Yeah. Because he got that. I thought it was just uh, you know he had a face full of pus, but I thought they I thought they cured that. Maybe he contracted that when he went to the swingers club. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe from uh, some activity he got into his, you know, teeth. And I. Uh, that's not me who said that. That's, that's you who said that. Tim, you're a horrible person. You really are. <laughs> I'm going to hell. It's part of your charm, though. No, you yeah, fit right definitely. in. Definitely. No, because because today none of us are going to heaven. <laughs> I was apparently our show was just unstable and mean today anyway. So you know you're gonna you fit in perfectly. All right. So this is uh, your top five. Yeah, these are the. Top five 80 songs that one would want to hear on a warm Friday afternoon driving home from work. All right, so let's roll it. Here's your uh, top five. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here is Timmy Ryan with your uh, top five today. Top five 80 songs you would want to hear while uh, driving down the road on a warm summer day. Okay, here we go. 
At number five, Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine. Really? Are you serious? Yep. All right. Now, do you like it? Now, is this an ironic choice or is this sincere? No, I mean, okay, you're getting off work after, you know, slaving away for the man all week. And you tune into your favorite FM radio station. And this comes on. You're feeling pretty good. I don't know that any of these things really happen to you. A, I don't know that you slave for the man. B, do you really tune into your favorite FM radio station? And do you say it to your friends just that way? No, no, no. Let's get in the car while we turn into our favorite FM radio station. And C, this song does not make me feel good. <laughs> I'm feeling good already. We should okay. do top five happy songs that make you inexplicably violent. All right. Okay, but go ahead. Do you like the song? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a song like after you get out of work, you know, you have a whole weekend to go get drunk and have sex, whatever. And, of course. Or, or whatever. Of course. You're done working for the man all week. You're driving home. The work week went well. You're not, you know, afraid of losing your job. This song comes on. You're like, yeah. See? Of course. It all makes perfect sense. <laughs> What a fool I've been. I'm just getting a mental image of him, like, jumping around to this song, going, I, I, like, playing, good. I like playing air drums to the song. Did you have this song in your personal collection, or did you have to go find it today? No, it was my personal collection. Really? Did these? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Did all of the songs we're going to hear on today's Top 5 come out of, your like, a personal, like, your MP3 player or whatever? I don't have an MP3 player. What, from, where, from where did they come? Were they just... Oh, well, you know, I used to be a, a DJ at a club before I got fired from it <laughs> in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Um, that's where all the CDs came from. Okay, hey, I never noticed she actually references that thing about looking forward to the weekend. I never caught that. See? Can I tell you? Because I don't think, I don't think I've ever listened to this song all the way through. I mean, this song is what, like 22 years old? I don't think I've ever listened to this song all the way through without changing the channel. Well, as the years of, as a DJ, you never played this? I know the hook, and that's about it. I don't think I ever had to play this because I worked... I don't think I ever worked at a format that would. I worked at a CHR station, but it was more of a contemporary CHR, kind of rock-leaning. Uh, I never worked at AC, and this isn't old enough to really be on an oldie station. So I don't think I ever had to play this as a DJ. I had to play this at KSND down there in Salem. Really? Yep. I had to play this... I think I had to play this as a DJ at, like... Um, uh, like at uh, was at some radio station event, like in the park or something, and I think I had to play that. All right, these are Timmy Ryan's top five eighty songs to listen to on a warm summer day. Okay, number four, Cool in the Gang. At number four, that's okay. Cool in the Gang. That's okay. The CBS technology is uh, kicking in. Celebration. Now tell me, after you got off of work. Friday, 5 p.m., this would not be a cool song to be driving down the road when it's hot and sunny. It's like we're channeling... a Tom Cruise movie, maybe. I was just going to say, or if you're Scotty J. <laughs> yeah. We really are yeah. channeling all of Scotty J's top fives distilled down into one list. Good job, Tim. Well, well done. Take a bow. <laughs> this song kicks ass. I don't know what you guys are talking about. See, here's the thing about this song. I'm not even going to say it's a bad song. I'm really not going to say that. It's a great song. That's why I picked it. Okay, but here's my thing. It's not that it's good or bad to me. I just can't even tell if it's good anymore. That's the thing. Like, I've. This is one of those songs that I have heard so many, countless thousands of times. I can't even really tell if I like it. It's, it's become a cliche within itself, really. Yeah, I mean, it's. Me. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, I can't, I can't tell whether. What I would like, I'd like to sort of be able to hear it fresh for the first time. There's a lot of songs that I can't tell how I feel about them because I think I've just. The, like coming out of the womb, they were already overplayed. So this is one of those songs I can't tell whether I like it or not. But please feel free to expound on it. Once again, this is a song. You know, you get off of work, 
Things are okay. You have a whole weekend of partying ahead of you. You know, this is a feel-good song. I mean, this isn't a song you want to hear when you feel like crap, when you just got yelled at by the boss or whatever, and you had a horrible work week. This is a song that just goes perfectly if you had a great work week, and you're getting off of work, and you're going to go have sex and drink. Of course. And as, as you were sort of describing when you don't want to hear it, I was just picturing a guy sitting sullenly alone in his apartment for being fired, just sitting there with a shotgun with a in one hand, <laughs> yeah, with a gun in one hand and whiskey in the other, and this playing on the, this playing on the soundtrack. <laughs> Just like a just like a still shot of Stephen Root sitting in a chair with a handgun. <laughs> All right, these are uh, Timmy Ryan's top five songs uh, that you would want to hear on a warm summer's day. Timmy Ryan, what is your number three selection? Not just a warm summer's day. Remember, a warm summer's day driving home yes. from work about to Friday have sex. Yes. About to have sex. Okay, at number three, Greg Kinman, Jeopardy. Okay. There's nothing bad about this song. No, you know, I, I challenge you to find something bad about the Greg Kinn band. Well, no, here's the, no, here's the thing. I am an unashamed fan of Greg Kinn because Greg Kinn wrote one of the great pop songs of all time, which is Greg the breakup song. song. Yes. Uh, we use an updated version of that as a bump here. The breakup song is one of the finest pop creations. Like, if I had to do top five guitar pop songs, yeah. the breakup song is on that list. I'm not such a big fan of this song, but I can... And every time you know, that, uh, I can get with it, though. Karaoke from Hell at Dante's, I always sing the breakup song. I love that song. The breakup song is fantastic. It's one of the best songs ever recorded. It is. It kicked, I'm surprised nobody's really covered that song. You know, it's, uh, there's a band called Shaiko that did it, and that's the and it's not that great of a cover, but it's you know it's, we put it in here because we kind of have a thing of like a like sort of punk covers of 80s songs in our bumper music, but it's such a and you, here's the thing about now we're not even talking about this song, but the great thing about the breakup song is that. You don't. It's not overplayed because you don't really hear it a lot. Right. Which is surprising because it is such a well-done song. It does seem like that song ought to be more famous than it is. Anyway, this song kicks ass on a Friday afternoon, driving home from work on a sunny day. It does have a certain white man's groove right. to it. It doesn't really work on a rainy day. That's why I picked this out. Kind of has. I mean, it does have a little Stevie Wonder kind of. Like uh, if you're driving around Miami it does, or yeah. something. Like little. Right. You're kind of just cruising around. Everything's kicking ass. This is just. Perfectly compliments going down the road. It does have a little bit of that, uh, that little bit, that kind of master blaster sound in the yeah. background, that kind of bounce, right. that clavichord or whatever that is. Yeah, you just kind of uh, turn up the uh, in already stereo bass all the way up, so like speakers are kind of crackling. Okay, okay, I can get with this. I was I was unsure at first, but I'm okay with this selection. Well done. All okay. right, Timmy Ryan counting down his top five 80 songs. Uh, to which you would want to listen while driving down the road. On a, this gets longer every time I do it. On a <laughs> summer day while off work and about to have sexual relations. Timmy, what's number two? Is that working, Kristen? I yes. see number 14 on there. It's, no, no, it's working. I think oh, we're it good. Is? Okay. Don't worry about this. Part. Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> you, you get with the reading. She'll no, get with the playing of the song. Play and I'll tell you if this is the right one. Here we go. Okay. Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. This is a cool song to drive around to when you're happy. When it's hot out. Are you sure that you aren't Scotty J? Like, I keep waiting for you to like to unzip your face, and then Scotty J is going to step out of you somehow, like Austin Powers time. The weird thing about this song is how these guys hated this song initially. Yeah. Didn't want to record it. And hated the guys it. thought they were sellouts for doing this song, Yeah, too. totally. But you know what? It, all those things fade with time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, when they were sitting uh, on those big bags of money from the record company, they felt a lot better about well, it, Well, it's too. like the uh, replacements with that, uh, the Friends theme. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to record that. We write all our own, our own music. 
I have this whole thing about songs, though, that, that become where the song itself uh, becomes so great or, or so much meaning gets attached to it that all of those things just sort of get washed away in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. All of these complaints like, uh, you know, are you a sellout or is it, is it, you know, should you have done it or is it the band's style or did they do it for the wrong reasons? Like, none of that really matters. It really you know, does. The song is the song, and that's the only thing i got to worry about. True. This is a great song. It really yeah, is. This is a killer song, and this makes you kind of happy, and if you're driving around, this would be just... A, a good song to be driving around. Here's an interesting thing about this song. I hadn't really thought about this. It, it, that it is a really happy song for one that's so poignant, though. Yeah. I mean, lyrically, and even in terms of some of the production, it is kind of a bittersweet song, but it does have this weird sort of upbeat triumph to it, which is sort of strange. And actually, as which I was probably putting... probably why they ended like five different 80s movies with Totally. I mean, it's just, it's, it has a, a... It's like a lot of the Beach Boys songs, where it is simultaneously very happy and very sad. Right. And actually, as I was putting the song on the CD, I got this MySpace message from my ex. Uh-huh. And she said uh, she has nothing more to say to me. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> Teresa has nothing more to say to me, apparently. She speaks for all of us, Tim. <laughs> so this, this just kind of... So it was an inadvertent soundtrack. Just yeah, now. absolutely. Yeah, so I'm going, wow, that was just that was a coincidence. I kicked ass. <laughs> all right. So uh, we are now counting down Timmy Ryan's top five songs to which you would drive along uh, on a warm summer day uh, while off of work and about to go drink and have carnal relations. Uh, I have no idea what number one is. Go ahead. Press play. Yeah. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Center field. I'm with Fogarty. this. You know, here's the thing about this song. This song is one of those, as uh, as uh, um, as Aaron Sorkin wrote for one of his characters to say, eh, you must separate the stuff from the stuff. This is a song that people really, I think, should appreciate a lot more than they do, but it's been so unbelievably watered down by its inclusion in every baseball season that right. people kind of can't hear the song for all of the hype around it. Sure. This is a truly great song on really a truly great album by one of America's finest songwriters. No, it's a killer song. Yeah. Yes. And tell me if this doesn't make you happy when you're driving around listening it's, to it's, it's, yeah. it. It's, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic song. I would say with the possible exception of those weird electronic hand clap drum things at the beginning, I would call this an almost perfect song. You know why those hand clap things are in there, right? No. Because when you're at a baseball game, they do that. They go dun 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 dun. dun well, I'm just referring to the fact that they're sort of electric. That they're sort of electric, though. Because this was like that's a period what that's when. Supposed to be. Are these even real drums? Yeah, that's. I think this is John Fogerty playing all the instruments. On really? The song. Yeah. Like I, our. Like a Red Rangers thing or whatever that yeah, group was he doing? I think on the album, Center Field, Fogarty played everything. It's such a great song. record. It's a great album. It really is. Yeah, this has got to be Fogarty because the drums are only kind of mediocre. <laughs> There's nothing really special about them. They're just kind of solid. They're very almost CCR. In his know? whole, like, I am the band. He is, actually. Yeah. I think this is kind of like a big slap in the face of the uh, the other members of CCR to say, hey, I can play all these instruments and I can put out a kick-ass album. And this is the album that got him sued, too, by Fantasy Records. Right, because they said he was plagiarizing himself. The old man down the road. You know, here's the thing about John Fogarty is that he is, is so known for writing kind of downbeat, sort of dark, cynical songs. But you know what? When when he wants to write a song that is happy or that is sort of distilled joy, he really does it like few others. He can. And he, he's what is he, like 60 now? Yeah. He, that guy's still got that voice. So you know how like some guys after they hit their 50s, they can't sing anymore? No. no. He's, and he's still got that rasp, the yeah. scream. I love this song. You're not even a baseball fan. No, I'm not. Well, that's the thing. I'm just a huge. If I've said before, if I could write songs like anybody, it would be John Fogerty. If I if I had the ability to be a songwriter like anyone, it would be in the style of John Fogerty. Really? Maybe you can write a, a song someday that's like geek like me. Nah, that's no, never. No one would buy such a song. 
And even if they did, I wouldn't be allowed to tell them where. So. By the way, I saw the movie Aladdin the other day. Uh huh. It was in a theater. Thank you. No, I'm allowed to mention that because I can't make any money on it. So. God, what a what a voice this guy has too. This song also, uh, this album also has a couple of my favorite uh, John Fogerty songs. It has Mister Greed, yep. which is a great song, uh, and of course Old Man Down the Road, yes. which is good. Rock and Roll Girls. Rock and Roll Girls. That's God. I forgot about. Every song on this album is good. Uh, it's also got uh, I Saw It on TV, which is one of his yep. kind of great sort of understated protest songs. And it's got uh, Zance Can't Dance. Mm. All right. Well done, Timmy Ryan. I think I put together a pretty good list. No, right? no, no. I think you did a good job. Take a bow. You're to be commended. All right. Take a break. Come back after this. Tim Riley around the corner and Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 703-2970. In mere moments, we'll be joined by Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth with uh, more of the news the kids love. Uh, later on, like us, uh, Don and Mike at 7. Don't forget, tonight, the final Don and Mike show. Don Geronimo's final uh, radio broadcast tonight, starting Monday, becomes the Michael Mira Program uh, right here on AM 970. The studio is suddenly filled with people. Uh, Scott Daly will join us here in a second. Our good friend uh, Siegfried will be here as well to talk about. Is it the Grindhouse Film Festival again? Yes. Uh, well, no, it's just a special screening. Uh, oh, is this Cannibal Holocaust? Yes. I've heard bad things about that movie. It's a beautiful movie. Really? Yeah. It's like, is it Siegfried beautiful or is it like actual beautiful? It's got unicorns and bunnies. Unicorns being killed? Yeah. It's just <laughs> unicorns being chainsawed? Amazonian savages taking apart people, and it's, oh, it's wonderful. It's great. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, this is your personal savior. from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So the Marion County Courthouse has been evacuated due to a bomb threat. So as soon as they don't find the bomb, everybody's going to be allowed back inside. Then from Florida comes word, a 50-year-old man who police call the naked tickler terrorized women for years yeah. by sneaking into their homes and tickling them. Goes to prison for 25 years. Let's see him tickle people there. Uh, so uh, a police dog tracked his scent to a sport utility vehicle after a woman said she was tickled in her sleep. I felt something on my leg. I thought it was my cat. I look up. It was the naked tickler. And he ran. He had already pled guilty to burglary and possession of narcotics. So the naked tickler is out of business. Is this the same guy? I don't know if it says this. If it was the same version of the story I had. But he was tickling women while they slept, which is, like, creepy enough. Mm -hmm. But then there was something about him... Leaving something behind? <laughs> do you, do you, does your story have that part as well? About I, I was little... going to leave it out because children are listening since moms are picking them up at school. Just in time to listen to Lycus. So. <laughs> if you hand it to me, I'll read it. Sure. <laughs> I think if it's the same thing I'm it, thinking it, of. It is the sentence, yes. I, I did leave it Let's up. see here. Um, police said Thomas Blasine would leave fluids. At the home of women in the so area. He left a big gulp behind it. He, he stopped thinking before going over. In one case, he recorded himself. Keep in mind, by the way, they found these videotapes long after the fact. Mm -hmm. That's what's especially great about this. They, they only found these videotapes at his home after they'd arrested him, after he'd been doing all this for some time. In one case, he recorded himself. Urinating into a jug of milk inside a victim's home. Whoa. I thought it was the other fluid. No. Well, okay. yeah, 
Where's your friend? This, 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 this just says in one case, though. We Here's, don't want to encourage him anymore. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, meanwhile, out of Tupelo, Mississippi, comes word several conservative groups, including the American Family Association, Nazis, are asking Marriott International to stop giving hotel guests the option of ordering pay-per-view movies with strong sexual content. This is based in Tupelo, Mississippi. These pro-family groups have signed a letter asking uh, J.W. Marriott Jr. for a meeting to discuss their concerns. Uh, Marriott was told that stopping porn movies would be in keeping with the corporation's position in promoting the well-being of children. Uh, the hotel chain has about 3,000 properties in the U.S., 67 in other countries. Uh, the vice president for communications from Marriott said the company would review the group's letter and request for a meeting. The best part is that what's in Marriott is a Mormon. Yes. Uh, that's the best thing about that, and yet he still knows the value of porn. I don't think it's the good porn, though. I think it's like the fake uh, planted. Hotel porn is always boring. No, I think it's the it's bad done. Austin Powers porn. Uh, so anyway, it's not quite 70 degrees. It is 60, and it's warm out. It's going to be 75 tomorrow. Is that the end of the news? That is the end of the news, yes. Whatever shall I do? Wherever shall I go? No, you have tons of guests here. Talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Top of the air all the way through like us. That left a mark. Tim's out. <laughs> And go after yourself, San Diego. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from FilmKeeperRadio.com. Scott Daly. Hi, Scott. How are you? Hi. Is it, is Somebody hit you yet? on the way. Are we sure, Tim? That hit you on the way by? Jeez. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm just trying to be gracious to our show. <laughs> Tim, no. I value my Tim Bradley. No, that reeked of grace. That was amazing. No, it was beautiful. <laughs> I just, every Friday I wake up and say, it's Tim Riley Day, and then he leaves. Crushes oh, fantastic. Excellent. No, oh. I'm good. We, uh, my, my, best, my best friend from the whole, in the whole world moved here, finally. David is here from L.A., finally. Well, he's from Portland, but L.A., now he's back. And uh, we spent all morning unloading one of those pods into a storage unit. Fantastic. And just we're not in, done yet. Just in time to go see the remake of Prom Night, apparently. Yeah. Prom Night. That's my review film, film I'm reviewing today, and it... It sucks. It, I mean, the original was not good in the first No, the, it's place. terrible. The original was terrible, so why even bother? But, you know, they got to clean it up, make it all pretty, make it PG-13. Is it PG-13? Yes. The, you know, the rise of the PG-13 horror film is really one of the true damnations it's of the last horrible. few years. It's horrible. It's like, got to get the MTV crowds, kids in. It's just, it's stupid. Raise your hand if you've seen um, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. I have. Yeah. Yeah. No, the original. Oh, it's truly awful. It's, I mean, oh, it's, it's a terrible, terrible yeah. film. There's just no getting around that. So, yeah, so now, is this some sort of horrific, like, reimagining, or is it like a straight remake? Or? Look, a little bit of both. Or does it even really matter? It doesn't really matter. Am I actually just dwelling way too much yeah. on something that's thinking way too hard about it? All right. Because I was in there watching it thinking to myself, is this re... Eh. <laughs> I don't care. It's 88 minutes long. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Including <laughs> credits? credits? Yeah. Excellent. So there's that. So, you know, the bonus is it, it's short. Uh, so, uh, let's yeah. Let's do a couple of these here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick Emerson. How are you? Hey, what's up? Hey, I uh, just want to make sure you got the uh, CD and snacks that I left at the desk. Oh, place. wait, is this? Are you snacks? The, uh, hold on. Oh. Are you the guy that dropped off. Oh. I've got this here. I've got actually, um, I don't even know how much this is. It's like. Uh. Oh. Uh, and a full-on pound, it seems like, of Chex Mix, both the chocolate turtle Chex Mix and the dark chocolate Chex Mix. Now, dark here's the thing oh. Here's the thing about this turtle Chex Mix, uh, is that I, as you know, had a... You 
means you can't have just one bite. I had a little bit of a problem uh, with this <laughs> last year. It's cracked. Well, yeah. It's really like great yes, heroin. No, I and it's, to the to the extent that I actually asked for the vending machine guy to no longer put it in the machine, <laughs> because I would just find myself eating bag after bag like some sort of. It was like one of those strap-on feed things that Francis the Mule would have. Are you serious? That's why it went away. Albert? That's why he took it. No, I asked him. I told him, I'm like, Eric, I'll never ask you for anything else. Please don't put this in the machine anymore, because I would just eat all of it. And now there's dark chocolate. And now you brought me a pound oh, of it. So thanks so much. What else have you? Uh, what else do I have here, sir? Uh, there's that. There is also a uh, CD from a group called Book Quimby, which is the uh, quote revised. Uh, this is Footloose the, the Footloose album, where right. somebody they did they redid the entire Footloose album. Yes, they did. Fantastic, oh, excellent. Cool. All right, I'm going to play this on Monday. So uh, yeah, right. it's pretty cool. I think you'll dig that. And also, their uh, granted the band is now defunct, but uh, they still have their MySpace page up with uh, a whole bunch of free songs. Excellent. And uh, that's up. I put the uh, the thing on the back. Well, they've they've disbanded, but that means they're legends now. So. Oh, uh, that is correct, and they actually they're. Pretty damn good. All right, cool. Thank okay. you, my friend. Hey, best show All right, there you go. Thank you, sir. You, you betcha. Who says I'm mean to the color? Dark chocolate. Uh, wow, I had no idea. By the way, this guy says, um, about today's show, Rick, being a sarcastic dick is what true Emerson's fans uh, love about you. F the callers who need sensitivity. Tell them to go on Montel's show instead. So We expect nothing less, Rick. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, everybody. What's up? Hey, so did you ever figure out um, someone to tape tonight's concert? I'm sorry. Oh, uh... The Portland Cello Project is uh, doing a show tonight uh, at the Aladdin, and I do believe I, they had a video guy and an audio guy. I think the video guy fell through, but I think they are still doing an audio uh, recording of it. So I don't know what's going to happen. With I don't know if it'll be posted on their side or if I'll put you know the geek like me thing up on my side or whatever. But I think they have uh, at least an audio recording that's going to happen. Okay, I was going to offer that service as well. So it is going to be publicly posted? Uh, yeah, well, do, do me a favor. I'll put you on hold and leave, like, your contact info with Tim Ryan, and if it looks like they don't have it taken care of, uh, I might have them give you a call. Yeah. Thank you. All right, there you go. Anywho, yeah. so here we are. So, uh, well, first we'll talk about the uh, about a Cannibal Holocaust in just a uh, second. Yeah. Scott Daly, what's coming up in the world of Film Fever Radio? Well, brand new show is up. We review well, uh, Prom Night again, and uh, we talk you know... You love you love Nixon as much as I do. The, the movie? movie, not yes. the man. Yeah, Oliver Stone. Watching it as we speak. Actually, at Are home, you? I'm wa- my wife. I don't uh, own it yet. Oh, really? No. Here's the thing. Here's why you got to buy it. Uh, so my wife got me. It was a kind of a late birthday present. Yeah. It just arrived the other day. She got me two things. She got me uh, Nixon, the director's cut on DVD, two oh, discs, which it. is great because it's got two separate. Because Oliver Stone is like a big meg- megalomaniac, you know. So it's got oh, two yeah. separate commentaries, both by him. Right. Um, it's like commentary. I when I first put Nixon in, I'm looking at it and it comes up the special menu uh-huh. and it says, you know, play movie, you know, scene selection, audio setup. Extras. And I think, oh, extras, that's fine. So I click on extras, and it says, Commentary 1 by Oliver Stone. Next up, Commentary 2, also by Oliver Stone. I mean, he's he oh makes a three-and-a-half-hour movie and then has full-on seven hours of commentary to go with it. seven hours I mean, of Oliver Stone commentary. It really is great. I mean, it's like a thing only Oliver Stone would really that's do. hilarious. Um, well... And uh, anyway, so she got me that, and she got me the Beatles anthology on DVD, which oh, nice. I've I've rented like a hundred times. That's very so It's about cool. time that I owned it. So I'm working my way through Nixon right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love Nixon. I I, lo- I love some JFK, but Nixon, there's something very powerful yeah. about it. That how he treats him so human. Well, well, well. Stone is now working on a film called W right. about our good friend George W. Bush. Um, he wants to get it out by election day. He wants to get it out just right up to election day, and they're starting shooting this week. 
Uh, casting is Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin's playing W. Uh, Sandy Newton, who is in uh, Run Fat Boy Run, right. also the female lead in Mission Impossible 2. She is uh, Condi. I don't think they've cast Cheney yet. I don't think they've cast Rumsfeld yet. No, but they, but uh, uh, what's his uh, no no no? But uh, the, the guy playing Bush Forty One is I keep wanting to Cromwell. Say, is it James, James Cromwell? Cromwell? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always confuse James Cromwell with the other guy. That'll do, pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, when I say James, Cochran. Uh, when I uh, James Cromwell, uh, see, there's that that that'll do, pig. Or uh, but the, he's not. It's not him though, is it? Is James Cromwell the guy in Babe? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I always picture him in. Was it Clear and Present Danger? Oh, Coming that guy, ju- yapping at me like some kind of junkyard dog. Yeah, I president. am the president of the United States. That guy. I guess, yeah, you get those yeah. I like the Henry Churney guy in Clear and President Danger. He's I did too. Uh, he's uh, so awesome. He's so over the top actor. And he's like, do you got one of these? A get out of jail free card? I the Harrison think Ford? so. Oh, he's so he's also chasing crew oh. Mission Impossible. Same guy. Yeah, so what is, so let me ask you this. So what is the last good movie that Oliver Stone made? Hello? Um, uh, yeah, just, Matt, just get on the mic there. To get off the mic, we lose you. Sorry. World Trade Center was actually pretty decent. Which I opted not to see. It was a little see. soft, a little mushy, but it was, it was pretty powerful. In my opinion, the last great film Stone did was Nixon. And that's what, God, we've been over a decade, 90, 13 years ago. 95, 96? I think. Something like that. Yeah. Actually, I like, uh, what was it, Salvador, which is a great movie with uh, James Woods. That's what's like last, really that great Is that Jim Belushi? Yeah. No, James Woods. a great movie. And then um, I really like U-Turn. I way. hated U-Turn. I, everybody hates it. I, I'm not, I, U-Turn it's pissed me like, off so much. Yeah, it's kind of like me liking Godfather 3. It's like everybody. Nah, I kind of like Godfather 3, too. I'll okay. agree on that wow. one. Wow. Okay. But, uh, but U-Turn was just Oliver Stone. Just, I don't know. I, U-Turn really bothered me. Because I was really excited because when, when I first saw the ads for U-Turn, I was like, what, 97, I think? Yeah. Um, it was just at, I think it was just after Nixon. So I was like, sweet, Mother Stone, because he, he had JFK, Natural Born Killers, Nixon, and then U-Turn, this crazy cluster F of a movie with Sean Penn. I was like, all right, Is U-Turn on. the one that has my favorite character actor, J.T. Walsh? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. It had a really good cast, and it just was so disappointing. But uh, Oliver Stone's uh, documentary on Castro is pretty good, but... That's sorry. I just ended the conversation. No, no, no. It's fine. I just uh, he's one of those guys that, <laughs> and he did a lot of stuff that people don't really know about, uh, especially early on when he was just writing. And I know you hate uh, talk radio, but I really oh like. Oh man, talk I despise that film I and know, everything in me. I Boy, know. that's just a terrible film. It's a terrible film, <laughs> and I'm know. not saying I'm not just saying that it's like I work in radio and they because, were doing yeah. everything wrong. It's not. It's not because of that. It's just an awful film. Uh, I, in I my opinion, I, and, I, and I and don't get me wrong, I love the book on which it's based. Yeah, uh, and I even kind of like the play. Uh, what I if just, somebody like asked you to do the play or something like that? Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I can. So what is it? Is it the fact that Stone just made it this grandiose? Well, production? I just it, it's if the guy just becomes such a one note tiresome sort of like who, you ask you ask yourself something like who would possibly listen to this awful t- like talk show? I think that's my thing. Like it just the guy is just so unbelievably uh, uh, unlikable top. and not even really in a compelling way when right. I watch that. Like talk radio with Eric Bogosian, who I do quite like. Yeah, I, I kind of I dig that guy. Yeah. Um, and he did too. he and he did uh, he did yeah. Suburbia, which I like. Yeah. Uh, the uh, not the early one. He did the one with uh, Nikki Cat. Um, that I like, and he's done some writing that I enjoyed. He he's does on some TV. He's on those crime shows right now. Yeah, and he did, uh, and he's had some bit parts, like he was in Deconstructing Harry and whatever. And you know, he's, I, it's, it, it, so I kind of like him. I just remember watching talk radio, and I watch it like once a year, and it's one of those movies. And maybe you guys have sort of equivalents to this, where you put it in, and, and you're like, this time I'll like it. 
This time I'm going to enjoy this film. And you I get think about that's a great high concept. Fifteen minutes. You know what? I, here's another movie like that. Yeah. And Joni and I have talked about this endlessly. You know what movie I try to watch about once a year, just so I can see if maybe it's become good, is Natural Born Killers. And I watch it, and as soon as the Rodney Dangerfield thing is done, it's like I'm out. You know what's funny is I'm scared to watch that again. Because, because you liked it the first time? I liked it the first time. You won't like it again. Man. You watch it now, you won't like it. I see, that's what I'm afraid of. It's just, it's just bad. Yeah. I like the camera work in it, and uh, but uh, everything else. I, I, and I like the Rodney Dangerfield stuff, and yeah. I wish that was like a TV series in my demented mind. <laughs> I, I wish that was like, you know, they like HBO would do like the you know, Rodney Dangerfield. You know what sold me on? would be his corpse, but <laughs> you know, it would be interesting. You know what like, sold me on whole Rodney? It's called The Molesters. They'd be all puppets. What sold me on Rodney, the Rodney Dangerfield moment in that film was, was the bits of Food he was he was spit out as he's yelling at her. And, and it's the like, oh, worst worst oh, moment funny. ever in that film. I mean, just most skin is when he's he's telling Juliet Lewis to go shower and he goes, get it nice and hot. You know, you just, <laughs> you're watching, going, oh god! You have to scrub <laughs> yourself. Right. The thing about Natural Born Killers is cheats. It's like a it's like a really really well produced album full of badly written songs. I mean that's it is. It's got a fantastic soundtrack. If you want to, oh, yeah. if you want to uh, read a great book, yeah. there's yeah. a book called uh, Killer Instinct, which was written by one of the two producers of that, the two executive producers. It was a a man and woman production team, and I forget I forget their names at the moment. But the woman wrote this book later about every from from literally like the day they optioned the script until the the movie opened. It was sort of a diary of producing that film. I read that book. I remember that book. It's very fascinating. And it just, and she actually herself, by the end of it, she just sort of disowns the film. She kind of washes her hands. She disowns Stone and Tarantino. Yeah, and her sort of take on it, and this is her take, not mine, is that many, many people involved with the movie were taking way too many drugs. And they just decided, like, why just shoot a movie when we can shoot it simultaneously in 100 different cameras and 40 different kinds of film stock? (laughs) And edit, you know, and cut to something else every second and a half, and you know. So anyway, it's a it's an interesting book. It's called Killer Instinct. Yeah. Supposedly there was a scene of Natural Born Killers filmed in the Lloyd Center Mall. Sounds crazy. I had an actor who was in that come from to my high school at the time and tell me about this and gave great detail. Really. Of of they were shooting at Lloyd Center Mall and it was a short sequence in like a uh, that they went through the mall, but I cannot find that. Through all the special features of of Natural Born Killers, why would they why would they have been filming? I have there was no something idea. here though. That wouldn't even make sense. There's there nothing in the script. I've, I've read the script a trillion times. And there's nothing in there yeah. about a mall sequence. I'm thinking it's like some second unit sort of. Hmm. Speaking thing. of second unit of stuff that was filmed here, can you talk about the uh, the the Oprah thing at all? I can. Yeah, or or um, Twilight. I could talk about. Or well, are they shooting Twilight in St. Helens? Uh, yeah. That was there? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I don't know. Uh, yes. Well, okay, so there's, so, so, so there's two mean, different things. Yeah. So there's Twilight, which is the movie starring, um, is, uh, is that the, it's, uh, it's, uh, the, the kids chick book. from Pan, the Panic Room. She was the one who looks like a boy in Panic Room. Right. Uh, Jodie Foster's daughter. Yeah, daughter yeah. And, like so there's boy. that, and then, and then but you. But she's hot because she was in Zethera, and she was really cool in that. And then you were also worked on the crew when they went out to interview the, when they. for me, sorry. When they went out to interview the pregnant guy. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I did that in Bend, Oregon. Okay, so like, how close to the pre- physically speaking, how close to the pregnant guy were you when you worked that shoot? Oh, I was. Well, I had a mic him and everything really? like that. There's a. Now let me ask you this: Was it a lavalier? Was it a lavalier mic? Yes. When you when you put the lavalier mic on the pregnant man, did you try to feel if there were bosoms? Did you try to no, detect if no, there was I a bosom? No, they, they they. I have to say they, uh, you know, they um they were surgically gone. So. so there was nothing there, but did yes. you try to like 
No, see if there were remnants to no, try to feel. Up a field. No, I'm just no. look. I'm. I think no. I might. I did do that to Mickey Mouse once because uh, <laughs> me and my brother were trying to figure out. Sorry, off topic, but it was like we we're trying to figure out if Mickey Mouse was. Somebody said that you know Mickey Mouse is a girl, and we're like, no, nah, the people who play Mickey in Mouse, the suit, yeah, yeah, and and it's true. Uh, we got <laughs> we. My brother, I, I dared my brother. My brother groped her, and uh, and then we were at the character breakfast, and it got really uncomfortable. Not unlike right. now. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, I know we're sort of up against it here, so Awkward. let's talk about a couple okay. of things. Uh, Lord topic. of the Rings. Yes, this weekend on Saturday, uh, tomorrow actually, we're recording our commentary, the Film Fever Radio commentary. The entire Lord of the Rings trilogy will be up next week, but we're getting together tomorrow to record that. Uh, one of our, one of our uh, the attendees of the <clears throat> Booyah Awards, one of the grand prize of the evening was a chance to sit in with us for the whole commentary. So that's happening tomorrow. Uh, so it's going to be Cor- er, uh, b- b- uh, Fat Boy, it's going to be Aaron, myself, Jason from Vanish Twin, David's going to be there, um, Dan, the Joke From guy, is going right. to be there. It's going to be a good time, and we're hoping to show up at some point. Uh, I don't have to be there for the whole thing, do I? No, we're not going to require you to be That's there. That's a psycho we, we, thing where they won't seat me if I get there late. We know we know how you are, right? right. So it's okay. But anyway, so yeah, we're doing back to back to back, starting with The Fellowship mm. of the Ring, Two Towers, ending the night with uh, Return of the King. We're, we were going to do the director's, comp, the director's cut. That's a good twelve hours, yeah. at least. You know, and so I know, I know. I've watched. Yeah. I have watched uh, the the entire director's cut, the whole series, along with all of the commentaries. And I think I added up at one point that it's like sixty-two hours or something. It's a very long time. So, so we decided we'll, we'll do the theatrical cut because a it's a, it saves us about three hours, and b there's no uh, commentary of any kind on the theatrical cut. Which I didn't know because all I own is the director's cut. Right. So I didn't know there was no theatrical cut. So, so yeah, so we're doing that this weekend. That'll be up uh, uh, next week. So we're really excited to to have, make that happen. And, boy, it's going to be a long day. But it's going to be fun. We did this in May. We did the Star Wars trilogy. Ugh. Wow. Siegfried, yeah. Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, it's uh, this Saturday at the Hollywood Theater, 7.30 uh, p.m. And uh, it's a really difficult movie. It's, it's a movie that influenced, uh, like, Blair Witch Project and... Um, like Cloverfield. Cloverfield to a certain it's, extent. It's like a it, people thought it was a snuff film when it first came out because it's found footage supposedly. It's that supposedly, but I mean, it's yeah. you watch you'll watch a movie and you're, like now nowadays you'll just be like yeah what, but it's um it's really horrific um and it's it's kind of like the cinematic tilt of 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 watching horror. It's like it's very real, very cold. It's and uh, and it's also like it just it's. It's more than it's more gore than say like hostile or anything like I've that. I've read a couple of reviews that said it is amazingly difficult to watch, it even is. for the seasoned horror fan. It's a hard film to sit through, and it's also the film that really kind of caused the whole no animals were harmed during production of this film because there because are many many animals are harmed are, during the production are, are of the film. Killed brutally <laughs> in this film. It's it's a, it's a tough film to watch. So, but, but it's a great film to yeah, to fun. have that Travis Bickle moment. You bring a date to and you should become <laughs> uncomfortable, and uh, it's it's great. But ladies, I believe Siegfried's looking for a date. <laughs> yeah, I keep trying. Like it's like, hey, uh, would you like to come see Cannibal Holocaust? <laughs> you know. I have a film showing on Saturday. You want to? No. And yeah. a gun pointed at your pancreas. Yeah. Hey, Get look, in the car. Miata. Look at that. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, look at that poor turtle. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's a brutal film, but, it's, but, it's a but it sounds like it's a pretty, I mean, as, as rough as it is to watch it, I get the feeling it was kind of a groundbreaking uh, yeah, it's a, it's grim, it's groundbreaking movie. It's it's kind of like the movie that you wanna you wanna bring friends to and just like, dude, this is this is so crazy. Nineteen 
80? A, fi- a film that you don't really watch yeah. so much as that you make it through. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to you have to endure it. It's yeah. It's just it's like watching. It's yeah. It's like you you're like you see stuff on YouTube and you're like, dude, this is gross. You got to check. It's this the out. two girls one cup yeah, of uh, exactly. of cannibal films. Well, you know, and the film festival is the two girls. It's the tub girl of, uh, <laughs> of uh, film festival. It's the grindhouse. I mean, it's grindhouse films, and every every month they do it at the Hollywood Theater. It's a lot of fun. And so when is that happening? You get out there this Saturday at 7:30 p.m. All right. And yeah, just down some liquor and come bring your friends and and uh, if you can, you know, grab if some you can women stomach it. It's good have stuff. Have a moment and yeah. Let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, like us at 3. Don and Mike at 7. Don't forget tonight, the final Don and Mike show. Don Geronimo retires after this evening. As of Monday, the Michael Mara show uh, airs week 9 to 7 right here on AM 970. Stay there. The Rick Emerson show continues next. Uh, just real quickly, I was revealing during the break, talking about Oliver Stone, that I saw I rented Midnight Express thinking it was Midnight Run with Charles Grodin. And instead, it was a guy being beaten senseless in the shower. And then you revealed that you went to see Train Spotting with your mom because you thought it was a heist film. I did. I thought it was a heist film, and then it became really uncomfortable during that, especially with the, the baby. Crawling the baby. Ceiling. All oh. right. Cannibal Holocaust tomorrow. Filmfeverradio.com for that. We want to thank Kristen Bowie for stepping in. Uh, Abley for Sarah Exilin today, who returns Monday. And Timmy Ryan for filling in for the ailing. Richie Bristol. Dave's in as the gatekeeper. Tim Riley in the newsroom. Uh, Webmistress is uh, Bridget from upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio partner, uh, Portland Marketing Guru with Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. Uh, like us next. Donna Mike's final show tonight at 7 p.m. Have a good weekend. See you all Monday. As always, thank you for listening. Don't let the best regret it on. I'm huge. Watch it for next. Bye.